This old smoke-filled bar is something I'm not used to. But I gave up my home to see you satisfied. Welcome to the Best Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and a revolving co-host will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who-should-have-won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write in to our email at bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. If you write us a nice email, we might even read it on one of these intros here and get your thoughts out to air. So, we're back again. Last episode, we discussed Rayman. We took our little road trip from Ohio through Vegas to California, and California is where we will stay, as this week, we are talking about the controversial movie, Crash. And I am joined, making his podcast debut here, his Best Picture podcast debut here, Grant Z. Grant, how you doing this evening? Not bad, Kieran. Thanks for having me. I'm real happy to have this discussion with you, man. It's... <laughs> yes. uh, it's been a little long time coming here. This is um, interesting. This is gonna be. This is gonna be a doozy. <laughs> this is gonna be a doozy. We got a loaded, we got a loaded gun here. Loaded um, with blanks. Loaded with blanks. We've talked about a few movies leading up to this point that I think would fall on many's shelf of beloved. I don't know how many have crashed on that shelf, but we're gonna get to the bottom of it here tonight. <laughs> As I mentioned, we talked about Rayman last week. Uh, I had a great discussion with Chris G. Hope you liked that podcast. I do want to mention one thing. We we went through a ton of info on everyone involved. We talked about the director, Barry Levinson. We didn't mention the other movies that he did, and there's a, there's a few that are of note. He did The Natural. He did Good Morning Vietnam right before he did Rain Man, and then he went on to do Sleepers and Wag the Dog and Spear. Interesting movie. Also, Bugsy was one that was nominated for Best Picture that he didn't take home. So I had to give a little Barry Levinson shout out. But Barry Levinson has nothing to do with the movie that we're about to tackle today. I want to start, Grant. What are you drinking here this evening? What do you have to sip uh, on? Right now I got Harpoon Duncan Coffee Porter. Ah, the Duncan Coffee Porter from Harpoon, yes. Porter guy, stout guy, so this is right up my alley. Nice. The time, yeah. a good time of year for that. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking the Long Ireland Beer Company Raspberry Wheat okay. Ale. So I went uh, went a little lighter this evening. A fruity. A little fruity, a little lighter. So, <laughs> Crash it is. When's the first time you saw Crash, Grant? Um, probably when it first came on DVD. Okay. You know, I didn't, didn't catch it in the movie, but you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, your mom rents it from Blockbuster or something like that. And then you just like, I was nominated for an Oscar. Let me check this out. And um, when I first saw it, I thought it was this 
poignant, brave movie of race yeah. relations in this country. And it's interesting how things age. And uh, I mean, I was also what, 22, 23 at the time. We were in college. So I was an idiot who didn't know anything. But it is, this movie just has not aged well at all. What, let me ask you this. So we obviously rewatched this for the purposes of this podcast mm-hmm. here. Had you seen clips or bits and pieces of it from the first time you saw it to now? Or was it kind of like you saw it then, you've seen it again? again saw it today. then, saw it now. Same with me. Yeah. Now, I did not see it when it came out. I saw it a few years later. Okay. I want to say about four or five years later. I probably saw some scenes right after it came out on DVD <clears> here <throat> or there. Sure. For whatever reason, it kind of wasn't really something I was super interested in. Okay. When I'm do- going through these movies to do this podcast... This was one of the ones on the list that I had to check off. Yeah. Watched it then. That was probably seven or eight years ago. Maybe maybe more. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe more. Maybe over ten years ago. I remember liking it. Okay. Not loving it. But just... I was entertained. Because you have to understand, too, that a lot of the movies on this, on this list, which will soon be 92 movies after sure. the Oscars come out in, in a couple months... A lot of these movies are homework movies that I like to call where oh, yeah, you're just sure. suffering to get through them. Yeah, you get yeah, on it yeah, and yeah. it's three hours of, of Ben Kingsley pretending to be Gandhi and it's like <laughs> you're ready you're ready for a pool. Yeah. You know, and yeah. <laughs> this movie, if nothing else, it it keeps you sure. and you're entertained because sure. it's very active. Listen, it's not it's not a terrible movie. It's fine. It's not best picture worthy in my opinion but well i guess we'll get to that yeah we'll get to that and before we get too deep into that if you look at it for what it is that's one thing if you compare it up against the other 91 90 you know the other 91 movies on this list sure that's another thing right and as you said we'll get we'll get into that we would like to preface this with the concept of we're going to be walking through a minefield here (laughs) (laughs) there's going to be some subjects that we're going to approach 20 minefield we don't want to broach these subjects, but here we are. We're we're handcuffed to the pod, and we're going to be talking about them. We are two suburban white males discussing all sorts of interesting issues in this lovely movie. I hope that you can forgive forgive us for it ahead of time. I hope you stay with us. We're gonna we're gonna uh, hold back no punches here. We're gonna we're gonna go for it. Anything else before we dive into her here? We ready? No, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. The year is 2005. George W. Bush is sworn into office for his second term as president. In a battle between two shady franchises, the Chicago White Sox sweep the Houston Astros to win their first World Series championship since the infamous Black Sox scandal of 1919, where they intentionally lost the World Series to the Cincinnati Reds. You can see either movies, The Eight Eight Men Out or Field of Dreams to learn all about that. MLB let let the White Sox keep that World Series championship just like they let the Astros keep the one that they cheated in in 2017. (laughs) Boom, boom. (laughs) The number one song of the year is We Belong Together by Mariah Carey, who, incidentally enough, this past month became the only artist to have Billboard number one songs in four consecutive decades. Did you hear that? No, that's amazing. 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, number one songs. The only artist ever. But 2005 is where we are. The movies crash. It goes to the Oscars, not as a favorite, but it takes home Best Picture. It's nominated for six Academy Awards. It wins three of them. 
Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, written by Paul Haggis, who's also the director, and Best Film Editing. The other awards it's nominated for, Best Supporting Actor, Matt Dillon. Best Director, Paul Haggis. He loses that to Ang Lee, who directed Brokeback Mountain. And Best Original Song, In the Deep, performed by the great Bird York. Okay. What's your favorite Bird York song, Grant? In the Deep. <laughs> I would have to also say In the Deep, as it's the only one I know. <clears throat> and as of yesterday, I didn't know it either. So, but lovely song, lovely woman. See, you learning movies, learning music. I will say, and we're not going to harp on, on Bird York too long here. Good. It's a good, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little song. I feel it's like a little before it's time. You don't feel the same about Bird York's In the Deep? You give me a I, I, You know what? I don't even know... Maybe if you played it for me, it's not in credits. It's a little montage at the end oh, where they're, okay. you know, yeah, kind of yeah. yeah, looking at their hand. What have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh no, no, that's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Nice, I just feel like it's got that like Adele, Florence and the Machine vibe before that that stuff really yeah got popular. Yeah, kind of like sure. an indie song. Yeah. It just did not live past this year or this movie. I, I, need, I, mean, I hadn't I, even. You know, there are very few that I feel like there are very few that win actually do. Yeah. I feel like they're very of its time. It's just everything's associated with the movie. There are very few that live on beyond. Yeah. But well we're we're a year removed from Shallow and Stars Born. Yeah. Where that's kind of a movie that made it into the radio and I think one of the songs from Stars Born is even nominated for a Grammy this year. Yeah. But that's not the commonplace. Like I, I feel like I feel like the only one I can really think of um is My Heart Will Go One. That has, oh, like, yeah. that has like yeah. legs well beyond yeah. Yeah, it was a number. I mean, yeah. That was a number one billboard. Oh my god! So. Is... All right, Paul Haggis directs this. He writes this. Now, an interesting fact about this movie, right out of the gates, is that it came out before the previous year's winner. Mm -hmm. So, Million Dollar Baby wins in two thousand four. Also written by Paul Haggis. Crash actually debuts on a limited release right before Million Dollar September, Baby. September, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's a weird kind of Oscar rule. Basically, well, there was a technicality because it was a limited release. It wasn't a full release okay. that it didn't make the cutoff. So it got pushed to the to the next year. We don't have to touch around the edges here that this was a controversial win. It was a controversial win then. It was a controversial win years later. It's a controversial win today. I think there were a lot of people at the time, and especially now, who thought that Brokeback Mountain should have won. As we say in every podcast, this is not... A who should have won podcast. We don't sit around here analyzing the Oscars. That's not what we're doing. We have a list of movies. These movies were all awarded. We want to look at each movie. We want to talk about each movie. We want to get through each movie. And we ultimately want to kind of stack them up and say, what was the best one? What was the worst one? The problem is, is that when a movie like this and the movie like the one we're going to discuss next episode, which is Shakespeare in Love, another controversial win <laughs> and uh, i saw saving private ryan today and scratched my head and that's said, one of my favorite I mean, that's movies one ever. of the best movies one of my of favorite movies ever really it's is. one of the best movies of all time yeah. so that's a that one's a little tough now it's 2005 here we're four years removed from 9 11 country's in an interesting place a movie about two gay cowboys camping on a mountain doesn't seem to be quite ready for the for the stage as far as the Oscars go, for okay. whatever reason, according to the Academy, it seems. That seems to be the, not really conspiracy series, not really the, the way to say it. It's just a theory right. that if this, if this were re redone, if the voting was redone, 
I think a different movie might have won. They even polled, years later, even polled the, the Academy and, and they said if, if you had one vote that you could take back in all your years in the Academy, what would it be? And the one that got the most votes was... Was it really? Was the best picture, yeah. Was um, Brokeback Mountain, or, or I think was the crash Brokeback decision. Brokeback Mountain over crash. Yeah. Capote is also out this year, too. I don't right. know if you've seen Capote. I love that movie. I, I probably would have gone with that. We're going we're gonna to redirect this conversation of the other nominees to the end of the podcast, as sure. we normally do. Okay. But it is an interesting beginning to this movie where you have a movie in Crash that really should have been nominated or qualified to nominate it the year before. Right. So it just barely misses the cut. It's now thrust into the 2005-2006 Oscars, and now it's going up against a movie that's probably the favorite, that wins Best Director, right? that has a controversial theme that holds it back from winning it, and now this movie kind of steps in and takes it. It's... A, it, it's it deals crash, a perfect storm. Yeah, two thousand five doesn't seem that long ago until you really start thinking about two thousand five and how kind of different everything is now, especially with gay rights. It just feels like it's well way more welcoming now than it was, you know, fifteen years ago. And I feel like Crash was the right the right contra- like not controversial. Crash was the right movie about an important subject because it really didn't involve that it was just all race basically and the oscars are like okay well we've done we've handled this subject matter before yeah we, we can do this again we're not ready for that one yet we're not ready we're not ready for yeah uh, a gay relationship yet it's it's interesting and and years later moonlight well wins yeah, right. best picture and and that's Obviously surrounded in a controversy too. More of just a, a misread. Well, that was a that was a, a misread yeah. envelope. Yeah. yeah, but there's similarities between the two movies, and there's obviously race involved in Moonlight too. Sure, it is interesting to watch society kind of slowly evolve into when it's okay for them to accept that as something that that can stand on stage and win. Right. Or, or how how you put it, it approach that topic. Right. I don't know where the timeline is. I don't know what the year is, but I was watching a, a um, an old syndicated show, a USA Network syndicated show from two thousand seven, Burn Notice, and you see they're making kind of gay jokes in that that you go and I'm like, and it's subtle and not nothing offensive, <clears throat> right? But just kind of like little tweaks, yeah, macho jokes that you just go and go, wow, you know. Those jokes are just straight ed- edited out today. You're not going to... And sure. I think that... And like I said, we were in college when Brokeback Mountain was out. And it was kind of a punchline type of movie. Sure. There was a lot of that kind of... That macho male, hey, you know, oh, Brokeback Mountain kind of thing going right. on. Yeah, it was... You look you look back at it now. You look back on it now and you're... You're like, ooh, that's just not a good look anymore. <laughs> but it's... And, 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 right, it's and, right, and, right, and rightfully so. I mean, yeah. it's... You know, you kind of... The times change, and and you should change with it, and you should grow with it. And well, I mean, I was looking at, at other two thousand five movies, <clears throat> and two of them were Wedding Crashers and Forty Year Old Virgin. And both those, that year, bo- both that year, both two thousand five, and they both had a very big running joke about being gay. You know, like um, 
forty year old virgin. Yeah, forty year old, 40 year old sure. virgin. Like you know how you're gay. That that whole running gag, and then wedding crashers. The uh, the brother, the brother was the art student, was gay. Right. Right. And they and that was that was kind of a punchline, in its in its own. Yeah, the forty year old virgin movie too. You know. It, <laughs> That is kind of like the theme of the movie, and that, so that and that's an interesting thought. Is what would that movie look like if it came out today? I don't. It would be extremely different. It would be different. It would be extremely different. But you know, you, you, comedy is a is a weird thing. Comedy has evolved and changed for sure oh, over yeah. just in that short period of time. Of course, yeah. But you'll watch an episode of South Park from back then and go, "Whoa!" Sure, they said that back then. But then you'll watch more from this past season. They go, oh, they're still saying. Well, the, the thing so that it, the, what, 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 what kind of saves South Park is that a lot of it is done in a satirical way, where you're, you're supposed to kind of laugh, not at the people getting made fun of, but you're supposed to make fun of the people making fun of the yes, people. Yeah, and and, and they and also do a good job of making fun of everybody. Oh, sure. So if you're not just they're not just picking on picking and choosing who they're going to go after. Sure, they make fun of everybody. everyone. Yeah, of course. And I think that's where, that's where South Park <laughs> thrives. Where, you know, you look back at some of the other. Well, like I was watching, like like back to Wedding Crashers. It was on like Comedy Central or something. You know, the whole, like he's a homo, or I'm going to I'm going to go and ruin my paid homo things. Those are blurred out. Those were uh, silenced on Comedy Central. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So it's. God, does it make you wonder what will be bleeped out five years from now? It's 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 crazy. So I wasn't I wasn't aware that Forty Year Virgin came out the same year. That's a big year for Catherine Keener, who plays the female lead in Forty Year Old Virgin. She's nominated for an Oscar this year for her work in Capote. So she comes okay. out in both of those movies, and and you haven't seen her Listen, in a ton of stuff since. She's like so uh, she's like John C. Riley. So I, th- we, I think we're we, touching. We, we're we, just we we're touching. We put off Crash, and of course it's it's amazing that we have to talk about Crash, and here we are talking about. Sorry about about the right. issue, the yeah, gay right issues, gay because it's up against and, another movie that has the same thing. So we are just completely out of our. We, we stepped on an interesting little. I uh, yeah, this is. Uh, it's the old minefield, and the murky, mines keep blowing up. Murky waters. So crash. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. it. So yeah, let's just get uh, into let's, it. Let's get right into the old movie here. Movie starts. Opening credits. Boom. We got this trippy little. Kind of like odd, yeah. trippy montage, which I, I like a lot. I, yeah. I thought I, I didn't like it. You didn't like the intro. Did you see Did you see Uncut Gems? No. Okay. It it's all very, starts, it's, it's, it's crazy. It just starts in a very similar way where it's like a trippy thing. And I'm, and I'm in the theater with Uncut Gems. Like, what movie am I watching here? This is like a gambling movie. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of had that that weird thing. And, and then you have the Don Cheadle monologue. Ugh. And <laughs> myself and Grant before this... We started recording, kind of broached this topic because if you listen to previous episodes here, sometimes we refer to the characters by their actors' names. Sometimes we refer to their characters' names or description. There are so many supporting characters in this ensemble that we're gonna just do our best with how we're gonna describe them. Don Cheadle's easy to call Don Cheadle. Donny Cheeds. The 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 storekeeper. The, we'll call him Storm. We can call him Storm the storekeeper. Sure. It's we, gonna, everyone, everyone knows. We're not sticking to one format here. We're going to bounce around a little bit. But yeah, we have our opening credits. We have the Don Cheadle monologue to start, which is very obvious. film classy. Very yeah. obvious. Anytime you say the title of the movie and the first line of the movie is never, never we agree. We all just 
crash into each other to feel things. This could be a fucking break. <laughs> so we it's, it just start, it just starts off so insulting. It starts off so insulting. And and it ends with arguably my least part of the movie, and I'll just get that out of the way. So we start with him saying crash, and then we end the movie with a car crash. Oh, that's and then it's like the end of a bad like Nickelodeon cartoon. Like yeah. Uh, oh boy. All right, so. So now I'm 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 not I'm not going to bury this movie or something. There were things that I did like with this sure. movie, and I'm going to highlight them. Yes. And it, it, Listen, it's sounding already like, like, like this is going to be like, a chop like, job. Like like I said, it's, this movie isn't terrible, but it's yeah. There's issues. There's, There's issues, issues, and we're, plenty, we're getting to them. Plenty of issues to go around. So Don Cheadle has his has his little start there. You have that opening scene where they're kind of they're gonna do the little flashback to the day before. They show us the accident. They're gonna fight club it. Yeah. Yeah, we know there's no something's going on here. Oh, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a dead kid up there. Blah 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 blah. By the way, how we, I'm I'm confused by this. So they just happened to get into a car accident at the scene of the the murder. Yes, because so they're everyone because everyone's stopping at the car and then well, yeah, well, yeah. the Asian woman them. who's rushing to the hospital rear ends your husband right. who was run over by ludicrous or trafficking people. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing in the city of L.A. that these characters can all just have... listen. It's it's, it's it's the love actually of racism. Yeah, <laughs> it is the love actually of racism. It, you know, you you would think that in a city this large that uh, you know. They would not know each other, these people. They would not be interweaving. But, you know, everyone, you know, Karen, everyone's crashing into each other. It's They're crashing into each other. Karen, See, <laughs> Karen, they're crashing into each other. I want you to recognize this. It's, it's, it's smart, Karen. It's, it's, it's film. It's film. Film. E. <laughs> okay, this so. Movie, this movie fails where Pulp Fiction succeeds in... Pulp well, Fiction intertwines Pulp, the stories. Pulp in Fiction it. also is a very small universe. Pulp Fiction's like five characters. That but that's a decision that oh, they yeah. made yeah, that a, they did not it was, make. It was it, the right decision. Right, right. <laughs> and that's I, why Kid Tarantino I'm was an accomplished sure filmmaker. Pulp Fiction is a California town, too. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. L.A. It's L.A. also. So, yeah, yeah. so Pulp Fiction is L.A., Crash is L.A., you know, one made it work. One really just did not. And and some of the and it's amazing that we're comparing Crash to Pulp Fiction. But I think sometimes, sometimes, well, if someone were to walk in the room and say Crash is my favorite movie, I think Pulp uh, Fiction might be what I would show them. And I and I would say, this is how you make a. If, if you liked, if what you liked about Crash well, was the on, ensemble depends, and the intertwining and depends on what they liked about Crash. Let's let's say they liked the format of it. They liked the ensemble. They liked the intertwining ensemble. I would say this is how you do this right, mm-hmm. and this is how it might be ineffective. And I we'll get into the reasons why why I think it's ineffective, why you think it's ineffective. I'll say right out of the gates, one of the biggest issues I have with this movie mm-hmm. is that every single moment of it is over the top, and every single person. Is speaking as if they're dialed up to ten, yeah. and they're prepared to cut a promo on it's, every person they encounter. <laughs> it, it is. It is very. It's a very um, naive. It's a very naive look at racism, because a lot of racism is very subtle. Real racism oh, is very subtle. one thousand, one thousand, and and uh, you know it's this, you know, like the gun shop owner or the pawn shop owner in the very beginning. 
But of course, there's also. But I'm trying to remember. That's next. So, so I, I, I know. Let's talk that scene because I do so, want to talk about that scene. So I'm trying to remember because in 2000, because this was filmed in 03, probably right. That's like fresh out, fresh out of 911, right? This is filmed in probably 2003, right? Uh, it comes out in 2004. It's probably red, yeah. It's written around. I think he started. He started writing the script in 2001, right after that. Okay. So, so I'm trying to remember because we're both New Yorkers. I'm trying to remember how this was how uh, people from the Middle East were dealt with. Well, so and it's, I'm it's, wondering it's, if it was this fucked up. We're into the Iraq War at this point, mm-hmm. and and where he starts writing the movie in 2001, he's not. He's not fine-tuning the lines until 2004 when the movie's coming sure. out. Yo, Osama, that, it's, that just is... Blame your jihad on your own. Yeah, but, you know, why don't you run the 747s into your clay huts? Like, come on. Like, it's... It's, it, it, it's, a, very, it's a very... It's a very narrow... It's a very narrow look at race. Right. It, it, and it's... it's I, 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 and I find it very... I don't know. I, I just I just think it's lazy. The Yo Osama thing and the the seven forty sevens and the just again, it's as if he was sitting with a cue card waiting for someone of Middle Eastern descent to walk into his shop. He was sitting, and he that. had the lines ready to go. It was like boom, ah, here we go. I've been waiting to use this this mud hut line yeah. all day, you yeah. know. And it's it the whole movie plays plays on like that, and you can do that in a movie. Suspend some disbelief and make it work. And I'm going to go to to an example, which is which is a scene which is totally over the top, but it works because there's an element of comedy to it. There's an can element of dramedy, drop dramedy. There's an element of comedy. There's an element of drama to it. Can I can I guess what it is? Okay. Can I guess what it is? Is it the uh, Shaniqua thing? No, but I have that written down as okay. one that uh, that it is does, interesting. That too. seems believable but to me. It's it's the it's. The next scene after this after this this gun scene. Okay. It's the ludicrous little speech to his partner about black people in LA. So they're leaving the Starbucks. Oh, oh it's when they're leaving the, uh, his, the coffee shop. They're leaving the coffee shop. And he said, that woman looked just like this. He looked we didn't get served in time. They looked at that. And he's kind of going on, and you don't know these guys yet, so there's there's an element of they're playing with the audience. You don't know these guys yet, they're coming out, he's saying we're being discriminated against, this, this and that. Oh, look, see, that woman's scared. It's ridiculous. We didn't do anything. We look like college students. This, this, this. We're dressed like college students from UCLA. Right. Why, you know, we sh- we sh- we're the ones who shouldn't feel safe. Is it because we have guns? Yeah. And then they carjack him. So it's, right. it's, so there's, that scene is clearly Hollywood. And it's clearly like, oh, people yeah. don't talk like that. And they don't go into, they wouldn't say that and, before and, they did and, it. And I, yeah, I feel, I feel like it just completely. It complete what they did completely undercuts his his little monologue, right? And there, which, well, there's which, there's irony to it. There's the element of irony. I to guess, it. yeah. And that's what I'm saying. You can do that and make it work if it's not surrounded by that same thing in every scene, where sure. it, it, because it is a movie, and we do know it's a movie, and we do know it's a movie speaking on something, and. Not every movie has to have people having real life conversations. But this movie is not written like people talk in real life. People don't talk like this no. in the entire movie. No. Take the racism aside. Sure. Leave the racism out of it. Yeah. Just in how the, the couples are speaking to it's each a, other. It's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. It's like a 
it's like a play drama. The scene between Brendan Fraser and Sandra Bullock in the beginning <laughs> with the guy fixing the lock. I mean, it's just and 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 another one, which is one of my least favorite scenes in the movie, okay. is Don Cheadle talking to his partner in in bed after he gets off the phone with his mom. You know, and he's like, "Oh, then, I'm then, gonna tell her I'm in bed with a white woman." And then, and then he heard, "Oh, it's it would offend her more unless if, if I said we're Mexican." She right. said, "Well, I'm not Mexican, but it's just so yeah. like, come on, like, what did you, what you have, 15 minutes to write this, to write this, yeah, and put it's, it together?" Yeah, it's it's a very narrow scope, and it's just like almost everyone in the movie is just it's just fucking terrible. You're like, okay, well, so far the only two good people in this movie. Or Michael Pena, the locksmith. Who I love. I movie, love. And that's he's, like... He is a, he is a genuine... You, he's believable. He's a genuine... It's the, it's, only, it's, the only, it's the only heart in the entire movie. Yeah. He's the only heart. It's the only thing that's not cynical. And I, I feel like it's the only thing that... I, I think that there's... I think that if you look at the... We'll talk about the Matt Dillon char- character in a little more length. There's a heart there, too. There's there a jaded heart. There, I, there, I, his I, 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 will say, I will say this right off the bat. I love Matt Dillon in this movie. Um, I think I think he plays this character really well. Really well. And it's a and tough it, character it's to play. It's a tough character to play. And it's, it, I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to do, nope. you know, for him to do this stuff. But, like, I also think that there is heart, but he's that doesn't excuse <laughs> That does not excuse his behavior. No, no, even, even, no, no. He's even, a villain. Even, no, it's a, he's a, even when he's he does, a villain. Even when he all. does at the end, does not excuse. hundred percent. No, he doesn't wipe the slate clean. But um, and but then like you like you're like okay, well Ryan Phillippe's a good guy, and then like they shoot. Well, he we'll get, has we'll get, a heart we'll too. Get to, there's we'll, a, there there is heart within some of these characters, and there are shades of gray. The execution in which they do it. Is just not effective with a lot of these. Yeah. I think that there's a. I think that there's a heart in the in the Terrence Howard play, uh, character too. I think that he has a. I'll, I'll say this. He, yeah. he he has probably the only. He's the only character in this movie, that has a, legitimate. And this is my opinion. You may disagree with me. He has a legitimate, believable character arc, in the movie. It's over the top. I it's, I, it's, I, I will I will say I will say yes. I agree. I agree with you. And I think. I think to a certain extent, Ludacris also. A little bit. Okay. It's it's, it's that's I, one I'm going to argue with a little bit because okay. I, uh, but go, go, on. Um, go, go okay, on. But I think I think what what we're talking about with Terrence Howard is is interesting because we get the impression that he grew up in a privileged life. The only the only relationship he had with black people was the Cosby Show. That's what his right. wife yep. said to him. Yep. And, and, he's, and he's of celebrity status. And he's he's a, he's a director of yep. a sitcom. Um, of of African American characters, mm-hmm. and he is constantly getting pulled because he's this black man, but he's living in this white world. And he doesn't really know where he fits. And then I think he, by the end, after getting pulled over, and then this confrontation with Ludacris, I think he has a better understanding of where he fits in, where where he should fit in. Where he wants to fit in, yeah, and I think that he he has an attachment to his race too. I don't think that while his his wife belittles him and and rags on him and says, you know, the only the only thing you know is right. the Cosby Show. I think you see when he he's going through his the part of his arc where he's getting he's getting angry. There's a bit of self loathing in there, but there's also there's a lot of hate rising out in him too. Hate for sure. Hate for what he 
was confronted with the police, uh, hate for what he's confronted in with with Ludacris, and, and it worked too. Yeah. That now and and now that and we'll, I do want to kind of say a little bit in order with it, but I, I we'll we'll talk about that Tony Danza scene. That Tony Danza's real racism. <laughs> I thought that was arguably the most effective scene in the entire movie. Is the one where he's on set because it's it's subtle. It's there's not a lot of over explaining in it. And Terrence Howard doesn't do a lot of talking. He talks with his face in it. It's it highlights one of the realest evils in this movie. In saying that here's here's someone who's literally learning how to use language the best way he can use it to climb up but in, it has in to be his bad, field. But it has to be black. But uh, he's stepping out of his typecast now. I need right. you to put. And there's the, that moment of self realization there with him. So I, I thought that was, I thought that was real good. Let's go back to the ludicrous yeah, yeah, yeah. character there. Talk to me a little bit about him. Where, okay. where what do you see well, him? Okay, I think if if Ludacris found, listen, it's not like this guy's a saint for not turning in a bunch of Asian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he did what? Like I he, mean, this is gonna be my problem. But go I, go, go on. Okay, so I mean, the whole situation is just like this. It's a it's a really it's a it's weird and it's not even in terms of like real life, but in the movie, like script wise, it's like it's. It's stupid that he, he uh, that this whole thing he got intertwined with this bus this van full of uh, Asian immigrants, the human traffickers. Yeah, human tra- yeah. yeah. So, it I don't I think that if they if Ludacris in the first act found this bus or found this van, I think he would I think he would hand him over, and I I think after his thing with. I think after his conflict with Terrence Howard, how he saw he saw these three white cops not kill a black man in this, you know, just, you know, he was holding a gun in his back. Well, he was a second away yeah, from getting lit up. He was up. a yeah. second away from getting lit up. And I think that kind of put things in perspective. Now, that's only two-thirds of an arc. It, 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 I, I, want, I want to see what he does after. Well, that, and... and yeah, so and, that's, and you that's... can, you know, and he still drives away with the van, you know, oh, oh so at least I got a van out of this. You know, oh, right. oh I, I I just happened to run over the owner, and he doesn't know, well, he knows now that the owner was involved, but right. here's my issue with that, and I get the point, I get what, what they were trying to do, and I get what you're saying, and I do, I do see that from some degree. To pick something so over the top as trading away 15 humans <laughs> to this... Shop it's, it's shop not like, guy it's not who like, earlier in the movie was so concerned with a couple drops of blood on an SUV right. that he doesn't want to get involved that. Oh, but human trafficking? Yeah, give, give you five hundred dollars a head. Know. You know, well, we, the Discovery Channel I, won't make, make any anything just, about just, that. Just, My just, point is, is yeah. you can't see his arc because I, I believe it's, that yeah. the character that we see in the first scene that's that's going on his little rant about Starbucks right. that then carjacks someone. I could see at that moment he could stumble upon human trafficking and go. Ugh, I'm not getting involved with this. That's like, fair. Uh, you know, so That's it's fair. just it's so over the top. It's so evil. It's yeah, it's so, it's so beyond it's so evil, evil that it's like this guy is is he's a low life kind of thug, and here he is going about his street life, human trafficking. I mean, good good God. Yes, <laughs> that's not like something you come across every day. No, and, so, and I, yeah, I do I do I agree. So it, it is it is a it, it is a bit of a. Uh, it's a it's a hard it's a hard right 
It's like <laughs> it's a hard right and then and then a quick left and no, then a it's, it's like off road it's, it's spin. Like, yeah, it's like okay, well, at least he wasn't a war criminal. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, right, I do, so I do, look. I do agree. I do right. agree with that. It's, uh, it's, it's a very, but that, but that's a, but this is the problem with the movie, is that everything is so obvious. It is very upfront. It's everything very upfront. is everything it's is in your face. It's telling you, telling you, telling you. It's and it's, it's not, doing very little shit. You know, yeah, like it's. It's this movie is about as it's 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 almost it's just as subtle as like shoving an M80 in your nose. <laughs> like it's just I feel like with race and when you deal with issues as as touchy as that, a little subtlety goes a long way because because everyone knows everyone knows that racism is bad. Yeah, here's here's everyone right. knows here. that racism is stupid. But so like, how about we just play with it a little bit? And make it believable. Yeah, and yet, not to mention, and when you said subtlety here at the beginning of this discussion, people don't use race. I'm not saying they don't. In, on average, in everyday society, when you walk into a random storefront, when you're walking down on the street, when you might get in a little fender bender, people are not dialing racism up to 10 if, and using it in, in language if, the way they do in this movie. If a per, if a, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there oh, who, yeah, sure. in, in a bar scene, you know, maybe they've had too many beers or maybe you're, you're just in, in a neighborhood where you're bumping into someone who is extremely racist who does that, but not everybody that you bump into in yeah. this movie and not in the way that they do it in these racist tirades. You just don't... There's... Even in 2005, racism is cueing an awareness enough so that if people are racist, they're going to use it in a, in, to use your word, in, in a more subtle way, sure. in a more toned down way. They're not just going to come because barreling they, they, they at... Don't want, they don't want to out themselves as racist. You lose a grasp on its believability. Well, it, it loses its effectiveness. Yeah. It's not effective. Because if, if, everything, if, if everything is like a cartoon... It's not believable, and it it doesn't it doesn't hit you the same. Let's talk about two of my very favorite characters in this movie, uh, Brendan Fraser and Sandra Bullock. Oh, Sandy. Uh, <laughs> now I got I I really truly believe this. I think that if any other actress or an actress of a lower tier was playing that Sandra Bullock role, that these scenes would have been flat out edited out of the movie. I think they were only kept in the movie because it was Sandra Bullock and they, and they needed the name. They needed it, yeah. I mean... Sandra Bullock showed up for two days. She, she, she did like two days of work. Brendan Fraser did three days. This is like yeah, this is like off like off the mummy movies, and he is a dreadful actor. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I, I, I like the mummy movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I saw the original mummy in the theater, but I mean, he's in a movie where you scratch your head at a lot of these guys. I think he might be the worst. We'll go. We'll do MVP, LVP later. But he's just you know get your ballots out. He's gonna but be on the list. He's, you know he's barely in it though. He's not in it. He's not in it enough to make me. But when he opens his mouth, I go oh. I every no, time. I have no problem with Brendan Fraser. All right. Okay. Good. I have no problem. Good. With he's got to. He's got. He's got someone in his corner here. I, he to has me, an ally. He's, it's just I don't know if it's just something in his how he delivers each line. It's just I got I, I'm begging for the next scene and the whole the whole Don Cheadle, Brendan Fraser. Detective who killed a guy. Really forced, really. Forced and boring. And it's like, that's something that could have been interesting. That could have been something that might have carried the depth of this movie. And I'm just like, every time, I'm just like, let's get to the next. You know, give me. 
The problem, I mean, the way I was, I was talking to talking to my wife about this. The big issue with this movie, and is that it is this huge cast, and I feel like if if you just had this Don Cheadle movie, it would have been way more interesting. You stretched out the plot. You stretched out his relationship with his mother growing up, and relationship with his brother. You know, like if everything was on the level, right? There wasn't like a big twist that his brother was the one that was that was killed, and you have him dealing with this, you have him struggling with his decision to send a maybe innocent man to jail, the the, the white cop, or, or or his brother for the third strike. Yeah, like it's. I feel like that would be a way more of a compelling story if they gave gave that legs. And I think that that's a that's a very good point to make right now is that there are very good ideas within this movie. And and just, just just in that alone, and I really didn't even think of that that way, is that if you took that John Cheadle, you could make a movie out of the Don Cheadle sure. stuff alone, yeah. maybe kind of be a little more subtle with the other stuff. And I see what he wanted to do. He wanted to do this kind of... He wanted to build this world where everybody interconnects and... I think as we said where before... Everyone, you, where everyone crashes into each other. Where there's a lot of... So crash, yeah. you know, yes, and and I think that when you look at this script, and it wins, it wins best original screenplay. I think that it is a spirited project. I think it's something that he put, and this and this project came out before Million Dollar Baby, and Haggis won screenplay for Million Dollar Baby. Okay. And is the first, he's the first person ever to, so he wins screenplay back-to-back. These movies win Best Picture back-to-back. Right. It's never happened before. Right. But he's, Crash is essentially his baby before the Million Dollar, pro, uh, the million dollar Baby Project booms and he gets all that attention. You look at it and you wonder how differently he would have done things had this actually come out after Million Dollar Baby. Um, would it have been tighter? Oh, interesting. Would it have been a tighter script? Would it because this is essentially um, his first project. What? Let me. Um, you know, was, it, was he was he the sole writer of Million Dollar Baby? He was. He wrote the screenplay. Okay. Million Dollar Baby and won the Oscar for that too. Okay. So, it's just it's interesting to me, and I think that anyone's first project is going to be a little different than what they get when there's a maturity to their work. Yeah, sure, of course. And this is a guy who did a lot of television. I, I wanted to discuss his work a little bit because there's. He has a very interesting career that hasn't necessarily ended very well. Well, so we, he had a very interesting career. He, he had a very interesting <laughs> career. So Crash is his first movie. Okay. Million Dollar Baby is his second movie. This is, this is writing? Yes. Okay. This, is, this is writing. He directs Crash as well. Right. He's mostly a writer. Okay. Now he does... A lot of television project projects before this. A lot of kind of just like kid TV shows. He does some dif- different strokes. Who's the boss? No wonder Tony Don- Danzo hopped in this one. Angelo. Facts of Life. You know, 30-something. Tracy Ullman show. So he's kind of in that, in that sure. TV sitcom world. And then he creates Walker, Texas Ranger. Amazing. Starring the great... Chuck Norris. Amazing. That's kind of his ticket into the mainstream. Hollywood. His ticket into, into Hollywood where he's now, he creates it, gets it out there. That runs from 94 to 99. Um, I got to be honest with you. I have never seen an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Have you? The most, 
uh, WTR that I've seen is um, was when Conan used to have the Walker Texas Ranger lever, <laughs> and he used to pull it, and it, it would show these asinine clips where. Uh, let me think one where a, uh, a guy was talking, there was a kid and there was like a burning balcony or something. And he's like, oh, jump, I'll catch you. <laughs> and the kid jumps and the guy puts his arms down and backs up <laughs> and the kid falls. <laughs> that was one. And then another was when um, Haley Joel Osment was on. <laughs> and uh, like the guys, they're, they're uh, I don't even know when in the episode it was, but they're joking around with Haley Joel Osment. And he just gets somber for a second, and he says, "Walker tells me I have AIDS." <laughs> so this is this is the show. This is the show. Is again, there anything again, better than old? Cohen? Again, subtle. So, oh yeah, subtle. Subtlety. Subtlety from Paul Haggis. It's a roundhouse kick to the face by Chuck <laughs> Norris. Uh, is there anything better than old Conan? Though I mean, that's just. I, I to this day I love Conan. It's just yeah. I, day, I have I haven't been watching recently. To this I haven't day, seen it in a long his, time. He's still uh, good. So on TBS. It's, it's it, but it's it's different now. It's like a long form interview. They have one guest, and it's it's a it's a half hour or something, and it's just one person, and they just talk. And, you check and he has out. and he has a podcast too, which is out of this world. Oh, I, he's got a podcast. So I'm, I'm on that. It's, I'm on it, that for sure. I, I'm he's the, a I'm he's a, a genius. I'm mind, a huge really. huge Conan. Yeah, yeah, he's a genius. Mind. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Walker Texas Ranger man. The only thing I really know about that is I know that Stone Cold Steve Austin was in an episode, oh, yeah. or, or maybe even several. I mean, that and what a perfect that, fit. That, that does is. not surprise me at all. Uh, so, but in order to pay homage to the Walker Texas Ranger um, inclusion in this, because I don't know when we'll talk about him again. Probably never. The great Chuck Norris. Um, yeah. We of went through an era with, of, side, with, with, uh, with sidekicks. He was in sidekicks. So that's no, no, right. but is that is that is that one of, is that one of the movies they had to do? Sidekicks did not win. But it was snubbed that year. Can you believe it? Jeez, the late mm. Jonathan Brandis too. You know, uh, of Ladybugs fame, of Ladybugs fame, <laughs> of, of the original It fame. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Sequest too, maybe. All right, so yes. and the Neverending Story too. That's right. Chuck Norris has a lot of interesting facts about him. Um, this, is, this is very. By the way, this is very two thousand five. This is yeah, very two thousand five. It's absolutely two thousand five. So you know we're we're staying we're staying in our little time capsule here. I asked you to pull out what one of your favorite facts about Chuck Norris, and I couldn't just pick one because I had There's, a few. There was there was one that I remember. Okay. Years ago, and it was Chuck Norris doesn't sleep; he waits. <laughs> That one, uh, that I one, definitely that, remember that, that one, one stuck one with me. Favorite. And uh, Chuck Norris is the only person to punch a cyclops between the eyes. That's a good one. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah. Okay, so I have I have three that I okay. picked out. Uh, I'll go in in reverse strength, so I'll give you a bronze, silver, gold. Sure. In my opinion, let's see, you know what you think. So the first one is when Chuck Norris enters a room, he doesn't turn the light on; he turns the dark off. That makes sense. Two. Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird. I've seen it. That was, I, actually, that was actually an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. I saw that happen. Now, what kind of bird do you think Chuck Norris would use to kill these stones? Because stones are tough to kill. They're, they got a, a, a rock-solid heartbeat. Yeah, I think an ostrich. Okay, I was thinking... <laughs> <laughs> like, it grabbed the emu by the neck? Yeah, he would just grab that. Just... Now we're going to... See, we thought we'd be offending all these groups, but it turns out PETA was the one that actually is going to come oh, after fuck us those now. those guys. 
<laughs> and finally, Chuck Norris was once on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. He was the first to spin. The next 29 minutes of the show consisted of everyone standing around awkwardly, waiting for the wheel to stop. Aww. And there ends our podcast's relationship with Chuck Norris. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Paul uh, Haggis. Parlay's Walker, Texas Ranger, into to a Million Dollar Baby and Crash. Now, Million Dollar Baby's really, it's come up a lot so far. It is one of my top movies. Okay. It might be a top ten movie for yeah. me. I'm looking forward to that episode down the line, as I've teased a little bit ahead of time. Clint Eastwood, the great Morgan Freeman. Sure. There'll be plenty to talk about there, so I don't want to belabor on it. He works again with Clint Eastwood on Flags of Our Fathers and Letters to Iwo Jima. Right. Have you seen any of those? Yes. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. So these, this, I mean, these came up in the Artie episode, too, because they were the same, yeah, the uh, Departed episode. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. And you've seen both? Yeah. And now is one is one does the American side and letters, one kind of letters the, to Iwo Jima was the Japanese is the Japanese side yeah yeah and it's I mean they're they're both I mean it was like it's it's funny like Clint Eastwood's work I think up until after Gran Torino which after is awesome Gran Torino is great but then after Gran after Gran Torino it, it, his directing takes a pretty steep dive. He does some of those weird projects like well, Sully. It, um, uh, American Sniper but, wasn't good. I, I didn't like American Sniper. Didn't see it. I heard mixed reviews. Now, but there, it is, it does need to, to be noted that, you know, The Mule came out recently and this year he has yeah. Richard Jewell. Which I heard wasn't very good though. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. I'll tell you what though, man, the man's 91 years old. Oh, and, and he's starring and directing in The Mule at 91 Listen, he's got he's got those he's got them good genes. I mean, it's impressive to live to ninety one, let alone be directing the movies act, that you're acting. It's just an old hoss, you know. Yeah. So we have uh, Iwo Jima Flames Falls. Now, he does Casino Royale, which right. is the rejuvenation of the Bond series. Did you see Casino Royale? And, and he does Quantum of Solace too, which is not that was uh, not, not as, as good. good. I've seen. Uh, I saw Casino Royale when it first came out. I saw it in the theaters when yeah. it came out, and dude, it it's good. It it's reinvigorated good. It, the Bond it, it series. Really, it really did because the the whole re, um, I mean the whole recasting of Daniel the whole casting of Daniel Craig really saved it and kind of put a new yeah. It really didn't reinvigorate the franchise. And it's the Bond the Bond universe to me is one of the most fascinating mm -hmm. gimmicks because what other franchise like that can you keep replacing the actor well, for the character have you have you heard have you heard this theory the James Bond theory I have not let's let's it's let's uh, it's, it's something that I personally believe because it makes sense to me is that James Bond the name James Bond is a code name oh and so that's why they have different actors through the 60s 70s 80s 90s today play James Bond because they're either retired or they're dead. Right. So that's that to me is is why So it is just like 007 that 007 code name is right. whoever's around to play that role. Right. Cool. cool. That's 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 how that's How into I, the bonds are you? Not very. Yeah. Not I, very, I haven't not to very. be completely honest with you I haven't seen many of the old ones. Yeah. Who is when you close your eyes and hear James uh, Bond Pierce, who Pierce is, Bond. Yeah, Pierce. 
Pierce, Remington Steele himself. Yeah, yeah. Pierce. Uh, he's, I mean, that's that's part of our generation. Sure. That's where we grew up. What's that in? Is the Golden Eye. Golden Eye, baby. Golden Eye. Like, classic, classic game. <laughs> he's, he's, he's my James Bond. Sure. But I, I love a little Sean Connery anytime you get yeah. a chance. I mean, they're, listen, they're all, they're all like kind of, they're cool movies. And now my some, uncle has some, seen, some better than others, obviously, but. My uncle has seen every James Bond movie on its, okay. on its premiere. Oh really? Wait, dating back to him being a kid. So it, when there's a new James Bond movie out, he goes him, oh, him and his cool. buddy go and they and they check it out. So maybe we'll talk to him in the future and figure out we'll get his Bond rankings. But uh, I'm not qualified to to analyze um, <laughs> Timothy Dalton and Sean Connery. Sure. And, so this is essentially the end of Paul Agus here. He gets into some trouble, which he's still dealing with in court today. Harassment. Not harassment. Uh. It's, I think it's full on, full on rape. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. And then he's blaming it on exiting Scientology. He's getting, he, he, he thinks it's a, he's the, claiming yeah, it's a frame job. It's a frame job. We don't need to mess with Scientology right now. So we're going to leave that right there. Um, <laughs> Cause I don't need, I, I don't need Scientologists showing up at my door. Getting back to our film at hand here, Crash. Ugh. Let's go into what I would have to say is the most uncomfortable scene in the movie. So we have the two cops right. pulling over Terrence Howard and his wife. They're having a nice old evening, mm-hmm. heading home with a little on-the-road foreplay. <laughs> and old Matt Dillon decides he's going to uh, crash crash their party. He's <laughs> Listen, all he's crashing. All this so, crashing. Uh, so I, I got I to say, when I was looking back as... It's, probably a decade in between viewings. There's a lot of these scenes I flat out didn't remember at all. Like I was watching them for the first time. Yeah. This one was the one that I thought about when I thought back on Crash. Sure. It's as uncomfortable as it gets. It's... It's brutal. Leaving aside what he does physically to her Mm -hmm. and what she's left to deal with after that. Sure. The situation that it puts everyone involved therein, what it does to the relationship between the married couple there is to me the biggest evil of this whole thing. Sure. That he just inf- it, 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 belittles wife in front of husband, belittles husband in front of wife, right. completely rips their relationship apart it in front dissol- of them. It and dissolves, it dissolves their trust in each other. And it does so in shackles where neither of them can really control how they act. I mean, we're talking about right. a, a, a police officer who's armed. Mm-hmm. Who completely controls the events that are about to come, and if, and if either of them lo- are lo- to, looking for a reason, looking for a reason, and if yeah. either of them are to defend their own dignity, they could wind up getting arrested, or, getting shot. Yeah. A graphic evil, and to me, definitely the most uncomfortable scene in this movie. Must have been really hard to film to execute. Obviously, amongst many of the ineffective things in this movie, this is super effective. I. I do you think that in general it does not portray police officers in the best light? No. If you're if you were going to talk about like the bureaucracy of Philippi asking for the transfer, the manipulating that goes on with the DA behind the scenes between the there's no oh, no this 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 is a the, very this is a very this is <laughs> this movie is very unkind to the LAPD. Very unkind, and, and it, it really yeah. the only time they're really well. I mean, you have you have. You have Matt Dillon's heroic scene later on. We'll talk about that. Yeah. You have Ryan Phillippe, in order to save the day, he has to break every protocol that there 
He has to, he pulls rank over superior uh, officer. Right, and, and steps in, in between. Not to jump ahead, but I really, really hate what they did with Ryan Phillippe's character. I think... Let's save that scene save because it, I, I have a lot to say about that scene too. Yeah, okay. Let's And that's at the, that's at the, the that's final that's lap that's, here, so we'll, we'll, end, we'll yeah. get to that. What do you think about the job that Ryan Phillippe did as an actor? I thought he was fine. I was pretty impressed, I thought. I, yeah. he, there was a believability there and the naivety. There was um, the innocence of a, of a rookie officer. And yeah, I thought... Getting thrown into the, getting thrown into the deep end. Yeah, he, yeah, I thought he portrayed yeah. that pretty well. I thought Matt Dillon did too. I liked the two of them kind of playing off each other. Let's leave the, the police officers there and let's move into... We talked about Michael Pena a little bit. The scene with his daughter. Oh, I love that scene. Great scene. And honestly, it's really, it's probably the only real feel-good scene of the movie. I mean, I guess, again, we're going to go back to the Matt Dillon car scene, but that, this scene is super well acted. Mm-hmm. It's, it works. It works. The dialogue mm-hmm. works. Um, I don't know how smart it is to tell your Daughter, that she can, she's impenetrable. Well, you, you know, no, bullets. Well, you know? I mean, you're a father. I'm not. You know. What, well, I mean, if 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 full disclosure, I'm not living in a neighborhood where bullets are whizzing by our house. Right. If I gave my daughter a, a cloak to uh-huh. protect her from bullets right. in in this neighborhood, she'll be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. she's not going to go running into you know. So, and I think that's Michael Pena's thought process in this movie, or in this scene, where he's like, my my girl's completely safe in this neighborhood. And they're leaving a neighborhood where they weren't. Right. Because now she's like, she's scared to go to sleep because she's afraid of a bullet going through her, her bedroom window. And and I guess an elementary school kid probably is, you know, by the time she gets to be 16, 17, where she might run into some, some danger, some little more she'll real life danger, she'll, she'll know truth. that it was a story. Yeah. So I, I get you, you know, I think you've cracked the code a little bit with that. But yeah. I, I I really liked that scene. That was kind of one of the scenes watching this that I was actually really, really grabbed me. And yeah, I was really was, drawn and, into. And, and, and I think Michael Pena does a great job of being this, um, just really just a sweet guy. Just a sweet dad who really loves his daughter, loves his family. Yeah. And it just. And is a hardworking dude. It's hardworking. He's like, got to go to Sandra Bullock's house. Listen to her. Cut a heel promo on how there's a there's a a, a gang gangs, yeah, a gang banger with his pants down to his ankles and his his gang his prison tattoos. tattoos yeah, yeah. It, he's got to listen to that. He, he doesn't say a word. Kind of gently puts the keys on yeah. the counter. Well, I'm goes sure, home. I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he's used to it. Right. That's the thing. Goes home. puts his puts his keys. Well, puts keys on the counter. Goes mm-hmm. home. And then he gets cuts then his daughter gets in. Then, then goes to prepare the the shop lock. Yeah. And where well, that's the fucking fiasco god it's just the communication in this movie These well that, that guy is that that what well, my least favorite character of the whole movie is the shop, is owner, the shop owner because yeah. he is equally as stupid as he is difficult <laughs> <laughs> and it is it, it i don't now it, i i feel like i feel like that's like the most i feel like that's the most like offensive portrayal yeah. of any character like it's like an angry Middle Eastern man. Yeah, I, I'll I'll say this to just defend that for a second. Yeah, sure. Because it does portray his daughter and his wife as super gentle, the, the, super understanding yes. people. Yes, it's but the, more but just but that's, him. But, but that's, 
I think that what and and where I got out of this, which then they ruin at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, so like the, any any like defense I have is just going to get crushed by the last witness here. Communication is a problem for him because it's his second language and he's not comfortable speaking to it. If you th- there's a scene where the daughter has to has to translate what's going on right. with the insurance company and the lock company. Sure. So when he's in there and it's late and he's looking to close and it's been a long day and he just wants to go home and this guy's telling him the lock works at the door, he's frustrated, well, he doesn't speak English well, he's 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 well, up he's he's got him up here and he's just he can't he can't deal. Let, let me let me rebut. Let me give you a rebuttal for that. He understood perfectly that he needed a new door. He understood it perfectly because he's like, how much does that cost? And then he said, I don't know. I'm not a door guy. You have to call a door guy. What? Are you trying to trick me? So he knew he needed a new door. He just... But it, do you, don't you see how there could, there could be confusion there with the language? No. Where, the, where he, could, he, he might be used to having people talk around him because English is not his strong suit. Sure. And he's alone to communicate with this guy. He doesn't have his wife or his daughter with him. Um, here's where he loses me a little bit, though. It's if this shop is your life and all you have... Why are you leaving it with the door open? <laughs> you yeah. know that they, you know that the door isn't closed. You just yeah, gonna like, be like, ah. it's good enough. Yeah, good enough. I'm, yeah. I'm tired. I'm going home. And by, and by the way, let's. I mean, I guess like I guess all the products were ruined, and that guy's that's where the biggest expense comes from, right? But like the place wasn't burned down. They seemed like they did a pretty good job getting it in order within like it, six it got, hours. They got an order, and your daughter's a doctor. I mean, she's gonna help you out a little bit right. here. You know, it's yeah. A, and and um, now. I do want to say the daughter, being the doctor, is going to play into one of my grand schemes of what this movie really is. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a deeper theory of what's going on here. Okay. But I'm going to reveal that later. Ooh. Um, yes. But how could you leave the shop open? I mean, like, and then, and it's... then, and then not at least have a little bit of. Oh, I left it open and this happened. I was hoping this wouldn't happen tonight. You know, right. like, tonight of all nights. Yes, the and communication what, in this movie is brutal. And, and, and I think I think that's... We get that, that later that, in the car some, with Philippine. Some, that's something that... Oh, because, because the communication is so obtuse, that's the only way they can manufacture drama. And I feel like it's it's a it's that's kind well of, said. it's kind of a that's very well said. It's it's kind of a cheap trick to say. And you see this all the time. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I watch Hallmark Christmas movies when the season's right, and all of them are like, "Oh, I saw you with your ex girlfriend." So I so you know we're we're through on all that stuff. It's like yeah, she was just dropping off like the key to my apartment. Like we're we're done. But like, of course, they don't talk about it. Right. They have to wait and you know manufacture this yeah, drama yeah. in the yeah. last act. So, and I feel like it's I feel like Crash is the same thing, where it's like, if you only just talk things through, and just be level headed. Yeah, or just <laughs> maybe like, maybe just like follow the procedures of of society, of society, or or, <laughs> you know, or or whatever you're doing, you know. Yeah. And. Again, I think Michael Pena is is believable in that because he's he's, 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 frustrated. Frustrated. he's, he's finally like he's you know what you don't want to pay don't pay I'm going home yeah you know it's it's so it's he's after midnight my daughter's scared like I just want to go home <laughs> uh, so it's the next day now we deal with all our night stuff I had to leave that I just wanted to bring up one more time because this is one of my least favorite scenes is that the scene with Cheadle in bed with Jennifer Esposito and it's just 
mom. Oh, yeah, I'm having sex with the, the, phone, yeah, sex with the white with girl. A white, I'm in bed with a white girl. And then she's like, whoa, oh, you didn't tell Mexican. Well, white would make her, but I'm not I'm even Mexican. I'm like, Puerto Rican in El Salvador. You're, but not only are you yeah. an item or whatever you're doing, you're also partners. Like this conversation is never, it's just happening now. Like, wh- Oh, no, no, I, I don't think, I don't think he's just finding out that she is, a yeah, port, but, but I think he's just doing it deliberately to twist the knife a little bit. It's so, but it's so like, in the in the world of what this movie is, and not believable that oh, that's not a realistic. I'm not saying it's then, you know. Not... Oh, why do they all park their cars yeah. on their front lawn? That's yeah. such like a like an internet joke. That it's like like come it, on. It's very, like, it's very much like who talks it's very, like It's that? very much like emails, like stepdad said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like who well, talks that, like that? That's, that's, that's kind of like, that's exactly like, that's right. Like, that's like the but like that's like the overt racism. This is what I'm talking uh, about. Like. Geez. It's very much like, hey, Osama. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so we're finally to the next day here. The store's destroyed. Uh, the running Arabs. Sandra Bullock is yeah. very upset with her cleaning lady. Over. Uh, <laughs> Ludacris well, doesn't want I mean, to. To be, to be fair, my mom has given me that shit too, <laughs> where I forget to put the uh, dishes away. Ludacris does not want to take the bus. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, let, so let's talk Matt Dillon flaming car scene. Let's talk about Matt Dillon flaming car scene. Do you want to start? Do you want to... Let, let me, let me, what was the intention? Because it was, it was a really well done scene and I, the music was very effective with it. It was intense. It was intense and it was like, you know, the gasoline was, the fire was coming and it was very intense. What was, what was Paul Haggis trying to achieve with this scene? Was he trying to absolve Matt Dillon of what he's done? Is he trying to say that Matt Dillon's a changed man? Well, I, I don't. I, I, I have. Don't know, a, I, don't I have. What the? I don't know what the end game is for this scene. I have what I took out of this. Okay. Okay. And it's that Matt Dillon is his representative of the police in society. Okay. Not that Matt Dillon's character is what every police officer is. That's not what I mean. It's that... It's the good and the, Matt, it's it's the, good the, and the bad. It's the good of and the bad. And, and I go back to the conversation that he had with Ryan Phillippe when they're dismissing each other as partners. Right, like, wait, says, wait get, five years. Get a couple and, years yeah. in your belt and, then and you'll have more, a different wait, perspective. Wait a few more so years, yeah. If, if we're looking at him as one person and one character, he's just a horrible person. And it doesn't matter whether he... It doesn't resolve 17 doesn't years. It doesn't resolve anything of, at all, yeah. no. But I think that what, what Haggis is showing is what an officer is faced with right. on a given day, the highs and lows of okay. it, the power that he has to either abuse or to use. And, and you see where, you know, and, and if or we he, go to the Philippine yeah. scene, he's, it, the scene makes no sense that you would outrank and step in through. But you have the power to clean a mess up. You have the power to make the mess, and you have the power to, to save someone's life. Right. So that's kind of what I think I get out of that. So, so basically, yeah. So, so Matt Dillon represents LAT, the police as a whole, the good, like warts the, and all. the entity of what, the, yeah, the entity of what, of what being a police officer you're confronted with. Yeah, and how you could one second you could put your life on the line. To, to save someone, and the other second, you, you can ruin someone with with abuse of power. Right. 
Um, that's the best way I can explain that. The problem is, is that on face value, it doesn't really come off like that. It comes well, off it, the as pro- the problem is that it's the same guy. Yeah, you know, and and I understand, and if that's if that's what the intent was, then I don't disagree. I th- I think that might be what he was trying to do. The very beginning of that scene is very tough too, where she's like yelling at him to get away. Yeah, and and he he does have that. Oh my god, what have I? Did? What are the odds that we crashed into each other again? <laughs> He does have a, 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 and that's why the acting is really good. There is you see the self realization in his face and so, go, oh, fuck. It's like this is a human who I really I just molested last. Yeah, night. took down to yeah. took town to nothing. Yeah, and now here I am in a in a the saver. I have to save, I have to have her, I have to have her trust me. Yeah, and, and we're both doused in gasoline, and right. there's fire over there, and right. we got to we got to move. There is that realization there too. Now, yes, there's no absolution of what he's done right. the night before, but there's an there's there's enough to talk about there. There's enough to talk about there where you can you can take that that scene and it's not going in the in the bargain bin with the other well, the other scenes in the No, I, I think I, I think it's a well done scene. It's shot really well and I think it's I think it's effective and I feel like it builds it's very good at building the tension and the thesis or the theme of it was was lost on me a little yeah, bit. That's yeah. all. And I like the scenes with him and his dad too. Like you just you got a little just a little glimpse of a little, oh, a little, a little bit of humanity. Yep. I look at him like I see what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's trying to. He's trying to. I, I feel like it's like, just how we say like, oh, people don't communicate well, so it manufactures this drama. He's like, okay, well, we're going to show him caring for, his father in a much better way than Don Cheadle cares for his mother, right? They're both police, mm-hmm. and Don Cheadle's very. Uh, distant with callous, his, yeah, very callous, distant. very distant with his mother, and Matt Dillon's very concerned about his father's his father's health. And it's like, okay, well, if that will make people um, at least sympathize sympathize with Matt Dillon, and, and I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I will not, because there's plenty of good people in the world that do just as much as he's doing. Yeah, and don't and rape and, people and don't molest people, yeah. or or because of your behavior towards. Uh, towards a certain race, you put your father's health in jeopardy. That's, I mean, it literally, yeah. it back, it like, it, it, it. And I love father. that line. Your father sounds like a great man. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't come today. You did. Yeah. You know, and that, that's a cool, she kind of yeah. gets the little slammed up sure. in his face. And then she gets into a fender bender at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. of course it had to be her. That's the this, worst scene of that. That I'm telling you right this, now, it, that's the worst scene of the movie. Is, the last scene. We'll get to that. This ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so moving from one overly dramatic scene to the next overly dramatic scene, we're gonna go to our our favorite carjackers have now, after saying that they'd never rob a black man, have now encountered Terrence Howard, mm-hmm. and we get a nice little um, a nice little beatdown. From Terrence Howard, he's got the two on one. Wasn't route. taking no shit. He <laughs> <laughs> got it got him on the wrong day. Um, yeah, just kind of asserting dominance <laughs> over these two little uh, these car thieves. Yeah. So we then get the two of them in the car, and I gotta be honest. Now we talked about before with me remembering the Matt Dillon scene. Well, I didn't remember the scene well at all. And when he's know, I mean, you know. when he's in the car, Terrence Howard's in the car with Ludacris. And they're driving and the cops see them. I'm just like, oh, God, I don't remember how this ends, but it's not going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> and what do they think, that he's the carjacker? Or what, or they get, you yeah. know, so 
the tension in that moment is it, it's palpable. It's sure, palpable well, I mean, tension. But it's it's one of those things too where we kind of understand how dangerous the situation can be for Terrence Howard. Yes. Right. Yeah. We 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 know we know what the stakes are going to be once he's stopped. So it it does do a good job with with building with building that tension. Yes. Yeah. And and I. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that I didn't remember at all. I think that it's probably a good thing. I think it's effective filmmaking that I remembered the Matt Dillon scene real well, but it's also so visually offensive that it's kind of hard to forget. It kind of you know. Oh, the the first pullover you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. that just brands itself in your memory. Sure. Um, yeah. Now Ryan Phillippe's character here just behaves how I don't think any cop would ever behave. I don't think I don't know why I don't know why the other cops would listen to him. Right, and not for nothing, the second that he that he reaches behind his back to pull anything out. They're probably just lighting him up because they've told him so many times here. He came, he came out in a very aggressive way. And he's, he's cursing at them and he's, and he's approaching them. Not yeah. only is he not stopping, not only is he just showing his hands, he's walking, he's towards, walking them. towards them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's <laughs> not to, uh, walk into another landmine pit here, but this is something that right, that right now is very relevant with the policing nowadays where now we see, we see situations like this happen all the time now with body cams and dash cams and things like that. And how sometimes it is so egregiously mishandled by, by police. And I'll tell you what, based on that alone, what you just said, you could make the argument that maybe Ryan Phillippe, in 2020, while this scene probably didn't make sense in 2005, it, it might make, make more sense today. It, might, it makes more where sense. Where a guy goes, whoa, 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 I know this guy. I literally know this yeah. guy. Put your guns down. It makes more sense. Where, yeah, maybe it makes more so, sense yeah. today than it does yeah. in 2005. And I think in 2005, they were, they were going very Hollywood with it. And now it's kind of after everything that's happened between then and now, you could do it. And another landmine you could go in with this and, you know, generally speaking, try to avoid politics on this podcast just because it does not there's no real gain from it. Sure. But gun violence in general is a big thing with this movie and, and that's sure. gonna be in the next thing we talk about with the store owner and Michael Pena at his house. What do you think about that scene? The Mike- that's obviously that's the most tugging on your heartstrings, keep I, I, you on the edge of your seat. I will, I, will, I will say this. I remember that that scene very well. As did I. Uh from watching it in 05. Um it it's the only it's the only scene that got me choked up, yep. even though five before I had a daughter, yeah. and now that I have a daughter, it has so much more of it. In fact, and so where did the where did the store where did the shopkeeper get the gun? Was it a pawn shop? Yeah. So no, he buys it from the he buys it from um. It's a good just a gun shop owner. He's got it was a gun shop. Owner? Yeah, it was a gun shop okay. owner, and he's he's got the bullets there, and right. and um the daughter buys the blanks. Right. Because she knows um, that her father's a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> now, I got to say about that scene, that scene being the, the daughter scene. So my mom liked this movie a lot. This is a movie she was, she was into at the time and, okay. and owned. And so I'm a little time, a little trouble just completely throwing it in the trash. But she was watching this with my dad. And my dad's very, he has a very heavy heart, especially when it comes to kids and movies. Sure. 
And he literally gets up and walks out of the room. The second he sees the daughter running out of the house, he goes, yeah. nope, I'm done with yeah. this movie. I'm done. And my mom goes, no, just watch, watch, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nope, nope. They're going to kill kids. I'm not watching them kill kids. They've already, they talked about a dead kid in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I yeah. know where this is going. I'm not doing it. And then my mom pauses the movie. Just, wow, will you watch it? Will you watch it? Yeah. So um, she gets in the watching. So it really does take you to the edge. It does. does it really, it, for, I knew it was coming. So I didn't. It still didn't impact me as much the, the second time around when I watched it for this, mm-hmm. but it's still just the thought of it. Yeah. The thought of <laughs> your child getting shot right in your arms, like it just still, like just kills yeah. you. Yeah. And um, because of everything you know about, as little as you know about Michael Pena's character, and as little, you know, as little as you know about the trail, you only have really one scene. But you know that they, they left this, this bad neighborhood to move into the safe one where bullets aren't whizzing by you and the cloak and all that stuff. He's and really the only truly good character in this yes. movie. Yes. Yes. He's the only one. He's amazing. I want to hang out with him. Yeah. And Because um, even, even they throw poor Shaniqua under the bus at the end when she gets, which is gets in the accident and gets out of her car gets racist again. Because everyone's racist. Yeah, like, when, yeah, except for Michael Pena. He's except for Michael Pena. The one saving grace. It, it effectively works. Even when I knew, even when I see it coming, it's still, it's still, when she's like, oh, it's okay, daddy, or whatever, I'm like, my like, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. it, again, it, yeah, it, it has, it, it, does, it always, yeah. but it always, that was, that to me was like the most, that might have been the most effective scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, the shot. It's keep, definitely the high point drama mark of the movie. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, you can't get more drama than a, a you know, yeah. a, a five-year-old shot dead in the street. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really bothers me that the that the shopkeeper isn't going to jail for attempted murder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why are they not filing a police report? I mean, they just send that guy to jail. Yeah, but like, yeah. And the other side of it is too is it's like, all right, this guy now why why what's to me to think that this guy's not gonna come back tomorrow and do the same thing too? Well, you know, because well, this is this is something that really bothers me too. Um, that his whole thing was that like his epiphany that this girl was his angel yeah i'm just like no 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 no, no. your really? angel was your own daughter because yeah. she was smart enough to put blanks because in your hands know, and not stupid you, know, you can't handle this and oh that part that part really bothered me you should be thanking your daughter and you should be in prison you should and you should be you should be arraigned for, yeah. for attempted murder because yeah. and by the way when we were talking before and i was trying to defend him about the communication issue Here's where this movie goes completely off the rails with him. Yeah. If communication is such an issue, why are you speaking about, why are you having this emotional talk with your daughter in English? Why would you? She's translating to the insurance company, but you're pouring out your heart. You're doing it in English. Can you give me some subtitles? Or well, we, you well, know? Because, here, because here's the thing. It's uh, because it wouldn't, it wouldn't have had a, an impact on the massive audience. If you want to like the real world... <sighs> Why they did it this way? Yeah, well, that's a knock on the film because honestly, if they if they did that scene in another language with subtitles, it's a hundred percent more effective. There still has the issues sure. that you're talking about. Sure, still has the issues you're talking about where he's not putting the scope of what really happened in there. Right. But at least you get the raw emotion to it. Right. You know, when he's seems, understanding, seems well, no, the shop's going to be okay. Life's going to be okay. I almost ruined not just ruined my own life, but really like yeah, destroyed an entire family. Right. Um, and probably killed. Two people. The bullet probably would have went through her. And hit, and hit, hit him. him. And yeah. we shot him like one of the hard areas. You could have killed two people sure. with that. 
Two stones with one ostrich. <laughs> wow. End podcast. I like that. Well done. Well done. Let's move to our next dramatic scene, and we're going to talk about our hitchhiker scene here. The hitchhiker scene. Ryan Phillippe and the hitchhiker. We talk, now, talk about manufacturing. There is one scene that is so dramatic. Oh, oh, oh. oh before, there's, there's one scene that's so dramatic and so bone chilling and heart shaking that I can't even comfortably bring it up for, in this I podcast. I almost forgot it. Yeah. We, so it we, I just, I don't even feel comfortable talking about it. Sandra Bullock's, I, Sandra Bullock's sprained ankle is so severe that I, can we I, can't even bring it can up. I, can I read my note about this? One from nearly crying with the locksmith's daughter to laughing out loud when Sandy Bullock <laughs> fell down the stairs. I mean, it's like how we first. Okay, okay. First of all, you, you ever you ever watch Modern Family? Yeah. So there's always this running gag where there's like one step in the and <laughs> yep, and, and yep. keeps yeah, yeah. Okay. There was nothing in this movie that even alluded to like a slick floor or like unless the cleaning lady got tired of her and just put a little extra lemon pledge on that t- I mean, <laughs> step. Like it's just completely out of left field. I mean, is like it, and sl- it bad too? Is it like a, and slow she motion. slips and falls? Like, it was like the end of My Girl when like the beehive fell. Talk about another scene I didn't remember at all. But like, well, for good but, reasons, very <laughs> unmemorable. Is it fair that if we just get through that? She falls on the stairs and they go, oh, they killed her. <laughs> they Todd Benekeed her. Oh my For fans awesome, of Breaking Bad. Awesome. And then, Joe, well, I got a sprained ankle, but I'll be fine. A sprained ankle? She needs help from the neighbors for a sprained ankle? Fell down, like... Wasn't even a full flight of stairs. You should have, like... Like... She's she's laid up in bed like she has a cracked rib or something. A sprained ankle. That's not, like... I do like this where she calls Brendan Fraser and he's just like... All right, what are you gonna do? <laughs> just doesn't give a fuck about his wife at all. Well, that there, that is that is the one line that he has that is great. Is yeah. is you know what? I called Carriage, my friend, for ten years, and she was getting a massage. Like, well, he goes, "Well, Karen's a bitch." Yeah, <laughs> that's the one like sign that he says yeah. that, that's good. Now, um, yeah, I, I will. I wanted to bring this up as if there's not enough controversy already in this podcast. <laughs> they really kind of stay away from the N word in this movie. The only one who says it is. Lorenz Tate. Chris's party, yeah, Lorenz Tate. Yeah, when he's Lawrence writing his country, country song. song. And oh, I would want to say, as, as, this a, country, this as a country fan, is very offensive to country music. You, you are, I do not. I thought the most offensive part of this movie was their degrading yeah, you're a big of country, hockey and country music. You're a big country. You're a big country. I think Lawrence Tate actually does like hockey. It, it does he or is he? I think, yeah, I he think actually he does. does like right. He did want to um, be a, a goalie. I yeah, guess. I think he does like hockey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a country fan, Karen. Like I was, I was watching this. I'm like, ooh, he's not gonna be happy about this. Hey, man, you know, in in 2005, in 2005, they were singing about like trucks and, yeah, and Bud Lights. Yeah, but you know that the scene with with Ludacris and Lorenz Tate in there, you look at that and just check, you know, what's going on here. But it's but this is this is what I mean though. It's a very but it's, it's I, a very night. It's a very naive. But in 2019, Old Town Road is the top. Song and the whole thing, sure. so that kind of took. So Ludacris does his his little history of music there, history of rap, and and is kind of mad at the modern day rap scene, right? And was almost kind of almost like paying homage to older stuff. And when Lorenz Tate's making fun of country music, Ludacris isn't even really going at him with that. But it's as funny as in twenty nineteen that the two have almost merged in the sense of talking about Florida Georgia it's, Line. Now sure, we, sure. Well, that, there's this. I mean, the whole like little Nas country. 
the country of rapture. I, I'm talking about I'm talking about Florida Georgia line. Florida Georgia line, like yeah. where it's it's kind of like Billy Ray Cyrus and the whole. Well, thing. I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even talking about Old Town Road, but even before that, where they had like this rap like country. It's music, a country hip hop. Yeah, it's country, a big country hip hop thing. Yeah. Which is, uh, but that's more like it's more white boys. <laughs> it's it's fr- it's it's frat country. Yeah, it's frat country. Bro country. Bro country I think is the is the is that's, the that's the proper term. Sure, Grant. <laughs> you would know you would know better than I would. Yeah. So, but we do get we do get the great Merle Haggard in the scene. Sure. Uh, who we opened the podcast with, and this scene starts off great, like Wait, great what, in the sense of this we're, is, this is the we're, we're, going, we're going to the hitchhiking scene. Back in the hitchhiker. Okay. It starts off great in the sense is that you have two likable characters in this movie. Well, let me let me let me back up a little bit. What's great? What's kind of cool about this movie is that you see both Ryan Phillippe and Matt Dillon driving. And you're not sure who's picking up the hitchhiker at first, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I bet you if Matt Dillon picked him up, the Lorenz State would have lived. Well, I have a question about this. I have a question about this because I, I, re- I rewatched today when I was just storyboarding it and getting the scenes in order. There's a shot of Lorenz State hitchhiking mm-hmm. and a silver car riding by him and him looking and kind of like being disappointed that it wasn't him. And then it cuts directly to Matt Dillon. Oh, interesting. So Matt Dillon didn't. I, I, it's not. So I Dillon... watched it over after seeing that. I watched it over three times to see if there's a specific thing you can point to, but I think it's suggesting that Matt Dillon passed him. By. That Matt Dillon passed him. Now, wouldn't that have been interesting? Is how that would have played out differently? No, but I, like, like I, like I just said, I feel like if that was the case, Lorenz Tate would have lived. I feel like Matt, D- Matt Dillon would have handled himself better in a situation like that. But would Matt Dillon have? Ever pitched up? Picked oh up hell pitch no! He would never pick up a black kid. So it's just kind of one of those. Sure, but and that's that's probably why they sub, super subtly did it. Yeah, where you can even wonder if it even was. Well, they him almost they been, almost crashed. It would have been an other. eye roller if it, like they showed him like looking at him, going nah, and going <laughs> on or something like that. Like that's that's too they, much. They came, but I thought came, that that was a nice piece of filmmaking. They too, came where very close. Wonder it. They came very close to crashing into each other, and they didn't. <laughs> Philippi and Tate. This maybe may my maybe my my least favorite. Well, besides the shopkeeper, this is my least favorite scene in the movie. And it starts off really. It starts off with good dialogue. You have the country song. Ah, I just wrote me a country song the other day. And like you like Philippi at this point. You, for the most part, you like Tate at this point. But I, I will I will I will say this. Philippi off the bat, off the bat, is suspect of him. I feel. Like maybe, wouldn't maybe, wouldn't anyone picking up any hitchhiker on the side of the road? I mean, then, the, why, then why do it? Even a poli- then why do it? Because you're a police officer, you you, you might you it's, might it's be, illegal, but you might be checking out. You might be investigating what's going on here. You might you know you might even be arresting him. You know, which he's not off the scene. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Do you think? Well, let me ask you this then. Do you think a police officer in L- in L.A. would do that? No, you don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't I don't think I don't think Ryan Phillippe did it to catch somebody. I think he did it to be a good Samaritan. Right. And when you do it to be a good Samaritan, he was awfully wary. But my question, and I don't have an answer to it, was would a police officer do that to be a good Samaritan? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But maybe. I don't know. This one did, and it didn't go well. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert: If you haven't watched Crash yet, and we haven't ruined the whole movie, then this, don't don't bother. Yeah, this one doesn't end. Just great. don't even watch it. This scene goes so 
bizarrely off the rails, so unbelievably, and I mean unbelievably in the truest sense of the word unbelievable, as in not believable. Ryan Phillippe literally turns on a dime just because the guy's laughing. Yeah. There's no tension because in the scene. There's no tension. There's no believable tension. There's no build-up. It's it starts off with a friendly conversation. It's yeah. It into, starts with like, "How long are you out there for?" Into and then a, as soon, put your hands where I see as them. Soon, as soon as as soon as he said he wrote a country song, Ryan Phillippe was like, "Yeah, okay." And then I'm just like, "Why are you being so defensive? You just you out of the goodness of your heart you just picked up this guy. Why are you being so defensive?" Obviously, you don't have a well. He's had I, a long day. We'll put. We'll, had, we'll throw that. He's in had there. a long day, but he put his whole career on the line to save the neck of, uh, to save the neck of a of a of a black civilian. Yeah. And we've seen nothing to make him th- that he to make us think that he's jumpy with the trigger. We've seen nothing. Yeah. Of this of Ryan of this other side of Ryan Phillippe. You could say that he's on edge, and he, he almost was in the middle of gunfire earlier. He stepped in front of his, you know, a police officer. That was hours ago. I don't think you forget something like that over a yeah, couple but, hours. But, what, but, what I, but what I mean, it's not like... It's it's not like... You went, you went from, like, the squad... Like, I, I don't know. I, I, your adrenaline isn't pumping yeah. and anymore. Again, again, this is the perfect example of what you said before. Just butchering communication between two characters to build drama. Sure. I mean, why is... Is Tate going into his pocket so aggressively? Aggressively, and and the way he's saying it, don't, 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 I'm gonna show you, I'll show you. It's like, how about Philippi tells him that he's a cop? Yeah, that's like, uh, duh. Like maybe yeah. just say that, you know? Maybe like let's say, hey, the police officer, why don't you put your hands where you are? Yeah. And then do you think he's gonna then aggressively go into like? Right. I would think that. Like, if, tell me, tell me what you have in your pocket that you want to show me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I have the same statue of Saint Christopher. Yeah, oh, I got the same statue. It's the same. Let me show you. Yeah, it's right. He just he he withdraws enough just for this for the drama. I did not like that scene either, man. I, and again, I loved the first half. That I thought that the exchange between the two of them was like, it just it it wasn't paced properly. It was paced aggressively and in an unbelievable manner. What they could have, what they maybe could have done was, I'm not sure what was surrounding the scene, but if like if they had him when he got, first got picked up and drove a little bit, and then Lorenz Tate had like some quip about the country music, and he's like, yeah, okay, and then it cuts somewhere else, and then it comes back to them. So you're like, oh well, how much time has passed? Maybe there's more. It just it just would have felt the car would have felt a little bit more lived in. It would have felt like. Yeah, the car didn't feel lived in. That's no, a, it, that's a it's a good way to put that. I did not. It I was, did not buy this scene. It was a forty five second car ride. Now, if he if he identifies that the guy has a gun, there's going to be super tensions there in the spot. But then, wouldn't at that moment you say, "I'm a police officer." You let let him know. Let's create. Let's create some identity to what's going on here. Right. Honestly, yeah, like, if a if a police officer is to pick up a hitchhiker, he probably would identify himself right away. Prob- oh. I, I would think. I don't know what the protocol is. Yeah. Uh, but now like- let's, th- let's go to this too. Now he stashes the body in the weeds and burns, burns his car. car. Yeah. I mean, you don't you think you'd phone it in? I don't know. I could see someone not. No, it's I, like- no, what? No, I think here's, here's, here's Ryan Phillippe's plan. Um, that he would say that he drove somewhere... And then his car got stolen, and then that's it. That's the last he he heard. That's the last he saw of it. Yeah, and then I know, but you don't think that a police officer might say like, "I picked up 
I pick up the hitchhiker, he pulled a gun on me. No, because as as far as as far as went into his pocket for a gun and I shot. As far as as, as far as as far as his story is concerned, he is a. Uh, this happened after the hitchhike. This happens. This this happened after his car got stolen. I know. I I know that that's a story. But I'm saying, like, wouldn't wouldn't it make more sense to be honest about what actually happened? No. You'd, what do you lose your shield for a little bit? But you don't. You don't have a. You don't have a. First degree murder under your under your. Listen, Kieran. This is this is the crash world that we live in, and things and, I'm a, and everyone. I'm, I'm a little too in the crash and, and world. Everyone, right now. Gotta... Every, everyone is stupid, <laughs> and no one's thinking clearly. And it's just, it, but this is this is this is what it is. It's 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 a uh, it's a gut punch for the sake of a gut punch, and it's not earned. Yeah, it's not earned. It's not warranted. So we get, so we get our now <clears throat> our montage at the end, and I, I'll tell you what. I could and maybe should be ripping well, on the montage, but I kind of liked it. I mean, I, th- I thought having some music at this point was some little levity. Well, the thing is, yeah, you need like it's there's so many storylines to unwrap, and they just they just to shot wrap up, three I mean. dramatic ones right in a row. Actually, they brought the crowd down a little bit with Sandra Bullock <laughs> falling down the stairs. <laughs> but you know, you get hit with the. So I was kind of all right with a little like breather. Give me some. Yeah, give me some bird York. You yeah. know, throw some bird York at me. Go bird, little cl- let's kill, palate, palate cleanser. Let's kill two stones with one bird York. <laughs> <laughs> and bring me that. So we do a little montage. We show a couple people here and there. Uh, you know, Cheadle finds out about his, uh, finds out that it's his brother that's that's dead. We go back to our opening scene of the movie. Right. Um, that all ties together. Then we have our final scene with Ludacris in the van. And we've really, we covered this right out of the gate. I think. The human trafficking is over I think the top. You're, I think you're right. Yeah, a little yeah, over I the think top. you're right. The main human trafficker that are quoting the movie, end quote, because I couldn't get through this podcast without saying this, Chinaman that he runs yeah. over. <laughs> Did we run over a Chinaman? Yeah. A Chinaman. Chinaman? Chinaman. Uh, yeah. Yikes. Um, he is negotiating, because it turns out that he's this bad guy, too. He's this, like... This and then, human and then, when, when, when he get when he when he's in the hospital, he told his wife to cash the check. Cash the check, right? Because the guy because he was he meeting didn't with the goods. The guy he's meeting with earlier in the scene is Jin from Lost. Now I know you're not a Lost okay. guy, but that's uh, one of the main characters in Lost. Okay. It doesn't even really have a speaking line. He just shows his voice, his face. Don't really get that much more out of Jin. That was the guy he, he, goes, he meant like he was meeting in the diner or whatever. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who's one of the main one of the main characters? It'd be great to have an hour loss discussion with you right now, Grant, but we'll have to save that for after you binge the series, you know? Yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> and then and then the movie just ends with the crash of all crashes, which I will contend as my least favorite scene of the movie. You know, it's only a couple seconds, but it it just brings this back. Now, I, I do want to ask you this question, because I thought a little bit about this today and didn't really come up with a definitive answer. So how do you end a movie like this? Like, what, like... That's not it. It's, uh, it's, I, it's. I see what he was doing, and I don't agree with the decision. It's hard because who's the main character? There isn't one. Right. So yeah, it's it's a, it's, so, a, it's, a, it's so a, it, there's since, it's a meal full of appetizers. So, um, which by the way is a good play. If you're at a restaurant, if you just order all the, all yeah. the appetizers, <laughs> it's a better meal than anyway. Um, but in in a cinematic way, it's garbage. Um, so since there's no. There's no main character. It's hard to end the movie, and I guess since everything yes. in so since everything in this movie is so obvious to begin with, why not end it on a car crash? 
Why not? Well, I see because why the movie, did, because the movie but... starts with a car accident, and it should end in a car accident because that's just how this goes. It's so schlocky, though. It's like it's, it's incredibly schlocky. Like, come on, it's like, incre- I, and, and it's, but how would you how would you end this movie if you're in the if you're in the crash writing room here? I would just end it with Sandra Bullock dying. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> Brendan Fraser pushing smothered. him down a bigger flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah, and the housekeeper like mailboxing her, and it's uh, a tandem. Um, no, I think I, I feel like what they what they wanted to do, they wanted to end it on a positive note. So they ended with Ludacris releasing the people, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is that he's. A sec- I mean, they're all secondary characters. That's I would have ended it with Chadle in in some fashion. I don't know exactly yeah, what I'd have get, him say or what he did, but ends, I feel like you started with, with him and you ended with It ends with him picking up the the statue in the, yes. in the dirt, right? Uh-huh. That's how that's it his, ends That's with his him. end, yeah. Yeah. I just feel like that's such a bummer to end it on. I don't know. It may, I mean, I maybe even like a, a good ending would be like... Even like Ryan Phillippe like just... Quitting the force, just like turning in his badge. I feel like that would be interesting. I feel yeah, maybe like, or maybe have them like have him sit down next to Cheadle on a bus or something, or in the, in the station. Like go back to the station, and the two of them kind of are sitting next to each other. Yeah. And Cheadle's, you know, Cheadle's kind of has the I'm gonna find this guy, and he has the oh, how can I get past this? Maybe end with something like that, and then just kind of have that open ended ending. That's interesting. Um, them, them crashing into each other. Yeah. But this now plays into my bigger theory of what this movie really is. Okay. I'm gonna, which I teased earlier. Yes. And there's a reason that this movie doesn't really have an end because this movie is a prequel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the 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 daughter of the store owner. Yeah. Okay. Is they kind of reveal at the end that she's a doctor. Sure. Right. They don't. Really, she just the mom says a couple times like. Yeah, you're oh, you, work, I'm, not, I'm working at. I'm working tonight. Yeah, you're working. You're working. And then you find out that she's in the hospital. She's you know she's a nurse. Or, right. Now that actress, and I was when I saw her, I'm like, God, I know her from something. Mm-hmm. I know her from something. Then it clicked. How familiar are you with the Saw series? Oh God, Kieran. Did you see any of the? Saw did series? I see Saw? Did, did you see Saw? <laughs> did you see Saw? Uh, I saw Saw. Okay. Did you see Saw too? I I think I saw. I think I saw three. Yes. Bingo. Oh, she's, she's the, the doctor. She's the doctor. The doctor who lost her can the drunk driving accident mm-hmm. or something. And she's the one that has to that do has brain to, surgery. to do brain surgery on on Jigsaw and has to save has to try to remove the cancer from from Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this movie is a alternate prequel to Saw three, and these characters that crash into each other are all future Jigsaw victims. So Jigsaw is going to find Ryan Phillippe and he's going to find Matt Dillon and he's going to put them in some sort of trap and they're going to have to fight for their crash justice. And furthermore, mm. that flaming car scene could even have been a Jigsaw trap. No, right? Jigsaw could have seatbelted. Now, Detective Matt Dillon. Detective Matt Dillon. You harassed and molested this woman. Now... In order to save yourself, you must save her. Think about it. <laughs> this has been the Best Picture Podcast. Uh, it's just, she's wearing the same outfit. 
uh, in the end of this movie as the beginning of Saw 3. Saw yeah, like, 3 well, comes like out a, like a like, year later. Like a lab coat? <laughs> Uh, medical outfit, yeah, medical outfit. <laughs> yeah, what are the odds of two medical professionals wearing the same outfit? <laughs> I think I will say points for creativity. I think I broke some real ground here with this. I think that I no, think hey, that Paul Haggis is sitting alone Karen, in his home. I'm going to blow your fucking mind right now. Okay, they're both Lion Gate movies. Boom, <laughs> boom. They are. They are. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I they're didn't both, know that. They're both like yeah, that was part movies. of my that was part of my preparation too. <laughs> I just wanted you to uncrack that nut yourself, my <laughs> yeah. friend. Well, they're I don't. I, I, I'm not. I'm not on board. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, Paul Haggis says they figured me out. I think so once, probably... I get, once I get out of jail. Once I get out of my own jigsaw. Once I get out of my own jigsaw trap. They could have put Tobin Bell in here somewhere though. He could have could have had him set up. All right, we're coming down the old home stretch here, and um, I I, ha- I did this just for you, Grant, because I, I wanted to. There had to be a way I could tie this in, um, and we are going to talk about the other best picture nominees at the very end of this after we get through okay. our heated debate over the MVPs and LVPs. This year of best pictures, we have super low budget movies. Okay, okay so the the five nominees together average forty nine million dollars as what they gross. The- uh, it is what they is what they grossed in the box office. Wow. Box. Okay. Um, even in two thousand five, that's not that's not good. This is after it wins Best Picture, becomes the lowest budget, uh, not the lowest budget, but the lowest grossing box office Best Picture winner. Really? Until Hurt Locker comes along, and then that to this day is the lowest. Is that grossing. Really? Yeah, Hurt wow. Locker is the, the lowest grossing box office movie. This only had a budget of six million dollars, though. So even with it being that's so a, low budget, six, they made this entire movie with $6 million. And you got to think that that all went to cast. the cast. Yeah. And then you got to think a lot of, there's a lot of like favors going on here. You know, you, you know, it's probably people wanted to be a part of this. They thought it was just kind of like this indie project. Um, he actually used his house as scene, for scenes in this movie. Really? And, and his own car as a prop. So okay. he really, really cut corners Stretched to make this. Budget, so. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he made this to win Best Picture. I think it kind of, like we said, it, it just kind of snowballed. It was a perfect storm. It ended yeah. up with coming up a year later, put it into the next year, done in that weird dynamic year. $49.1 million is the average per film grossing of these Best Picture nominees. I had to find a Star Wars connection somewhere for you, Grant. Okay. And I got one. Grant is a, a, a Star Wars aficionado. I try to be, yeah. What was the number one grossing movie of the year? That crash came out. Oh, was it Revenge of the Sith? It was Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Three hundred and eighty million dollars in two thousand five. Talk to me about the first three episodes of Star Wars, Grant. Okay, so what do you want to know about these prequels? Well, I, you know, I want to hear your take on the on the first three. Are they <clears throat> are they a movie that are they movies that you throw on? Anymore? Do you show them your your daughter? Are you, um, what is the legacy of these, of these they're, first three? They're, they're three of the worst Star Wars movies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If they're on, I'll still kind of watch them, but I'll kind of make fun of them as as they're on. Mm-hmm. Now, if I show if I show my daughter any of these movies, she's only two, but if I show her anything, she'll see. But something she's into from, the she's into she, the she does she does the original she, she does kind of like them. She likes the yeah. robots and she likes the like the the creatures and yeah. things like that. 
uh, I've I've done a very good job of ingratiating her to Star Wars <laughs> fandom. Yeah, no these these movies were were bad. These movies were bad. And I, what is what? Can you rank them for me? All of them? No, just the just, just episode the, one through three. Oh, it's it's three. Uh, in terms of best to worst, it's three one two. Three one two. So you think two is the worst? Two is four. Yeah, two might be. For for what it was supposed to be and for what the budget was, two might be one of the worst movies ever made. Really, it's it's, dull. it's horrible. You you may have convinced me to go back and watch this because I remember one being just brutal. One's yeah, the Jar Jar Binks factor. One's, and one's brutal. And I saw all three in the theater. Sure, so did I. Yeah, but like it's it's one of those things where it's just. But you kind of understand the Jar Jar Binks thing. You're like, okay, well the, the character's garbage, but it's it's for kids, and you kind of understand that. But then like. Yeah, but I was a kid. No, no, I'm talking <laughs> no, like I'm talking kid, kid. Yeah, I'm talking like I'm talking like six year olds. Yeah, you look at episode episode two, and it's just like this terrible like love story. Oh, and the, it's, yeah. Well, the, in the third one, that I remember the dialogue. I don't think I rewatched any of them. The third, the third one's third one's fine. The dialogue between Natalie Portman and what's the what's the lead actor? Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. And did he do anything else after that? No. Oh, well, he did this movie where you should watch <laughs> it. It's a. It's it's a. Absolute masterpiece. It's called Little Italy. Oh my god! It's him and Emma Roberts, and it's uh, they're in Little Italy in Toronto, but they all sound like they're from Brooklyn. Oh Jesus! It is. It is a. It's a masterclass in like just what, and in terrible movies. <sighs> so yeah, Aiden uh, Christensen has made it to the podcast. I don't know when we'll talk about him again, but he made it. Um, okay, so let's let's give out our our BPP awards here. Sure. MVP. Who's the MVP of this movie, in your opinion? I right? think MVP is Matt Dillon. That's the safe answer? That's... I mean, he's the only one that got a nom. Do you um, agree with the nom? Uh, it's, it's, I feel like if there was going to be anyone from the movie to get it, I feel like he might be the most deserving. Um, he... He he's, he's, had the most complicated yeah role to play. He was he was he was really great. It wasn't really one note. He kind of there was layers to it. There's layers to his performance. I thought I thought, I mean there was I I thought his I thought his nomination was well deserved. Yeah, I would agree with that. After watching this again, and I don't care for this actor in general. I kind of like Terrence Howard's role in this yeah. one. I I thought he had the best character arc. Okay. I thought he was super believable in a role that could have been, based on some of his counterparts, clearly, could have been very unbelievable. Sure. It was not an easy task for him. There are different kinds of difficult tasks. The Matt Dillon role is difficult task is because the subject material was super aggressive and you had <laughs> to really play it in a certain way for it to even be redeemable. Terrence Howard was kind of given less to do more with. And he could have made some decisions that just made that character yeah. just whacked. I, I, yeah, I do agree with that. So I'm going to go with him for this. I could easily go with Matt Dillon, too. So yeah. I think that we're, we're splitting hairs with there. But this is the fun one with this. And now the, the last two that we did on this podcast, last week was Rain Man, which really had a very limited cast list. Was like, there was, was like really only five characters yeah. in the whole movie. And then before that is... One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is pretty close to a masterpiece. A masterpiece that clicked on all cylinders. This one has got all sorts of options we could choose from here for LVP. Where do we begin? Well, let me, let me, ask, let me, ask, let me ask this. 
Um, is this strictly for cast? Well, there's there's two there's two faces like, if you want to. Like, 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 I feel like I kind of feel like Paul Haggis is deserving too. <laughs> oh no, the directors the directors in there. Yeah, yeah the directors in there, man. We had uh, we had Milos Forman from One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest as the runner up for MVP. So okay. we can we can LVP the director if you'd like. I mean, that's uh, right right now. That's I'd like to hear what you say, but right now that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> Because, Boy, because the guy gets because, nominated for director, because it's, wins it's, for for screenplay, and you want to give him the LVP. I mean, it's a bad screenplay. It's it's a it's a bad. There's two elements to screenplay. There's many elements, but the two main elements for me are the ideas in the story, and it's an original screenplay, so he's not adapting it from a, sure. a, another work. Mm-hmm. So the ideas of how you're going to put the story together, and then the the specific the dialogue. The dialogue here, it's not, it's not believable, no. but it's not written for, to create bad acting. I mean, it's, actors can work with what they're given here. The problem is, is that what they're, what they're acting isn't necessarily believable in a real-world situation. You, you, know, you, know, you know what? It, it comes down to one word for me, and it's humanity. And there's very little of it in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you talk about a movie that's, the whole movie is about race and relations and, and different humans coming together and interacting and, and sharing the space. And there's very little humanity in it. I think you used the word superficial earlier. And, and I think it's a I superficial have, yeah. form of race. Yeah. I think, you know, there's not a lot of bad acting in this movie, to be honest. I no, mean, it's, it's not the, but that's the thing. It's not the acting. It's, it's, just, it's, the, it's yeah. the writing. It's like, if I can just go back to Star Wars for a second, the reason why the prequels do so poorly is because George Lucas, who wrote and directed all three of these, he had complete autonomy, which he didn't have in the originals. Mm-hmm. The, the first, the first Star Wars movie was basically saved in the editing process by his his now ex wife and the other editors in the movie. That completely saved it from being this this yeah, even worse than it would this been. this it would have been a Disaster. Star Wars would have been a disaster had it been George Lucas's original vision. Wow. And even like his dialogue and stuff, Harrison Ford has this line where he says, You can write this shit, George, but we have to say it. <laughs> and that was one of his luck. And 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 you kind of notice that with the prequels, where George Lucas doesn't know how to relate to actors, and it's all about the the themes of the movie, and it's all about the the technology of filming this movie because he he really did push the envelope when it came to movie technology and CGI and stuff like that. But there's the dialogue's garbage and there's no humanity in the in these movies really, in my opinion. And so I, I feel like that's that's kind of where Crash is also where they there's there's so much focus on theme that it just doesn't yeah. seem it does it doesn't, it doesn't seem, seem real. It doesn't it seem, seem human. human. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's well said. I think that so you're go, are you going with, with our friend Haggis here? With, yeah, my, my good friend, friend Paul Haggis. Friend. Are you going to show up at his trial date and give him support? I'm busy that day. <laughs> I also am busy that day. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm double booked. I have an R. Kelly thing. I, for me, the LVP here, and I'm going to stick to the, uh, the man. The man got his Oscar for screenplay, so I'll, let him, I'll give him the, 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 the golden, the golden tag. What the, what's the trophy you got in... Uh, a pendant of life. I'll give him a pendant <laughs> of life from Legends of the Hidden Temple for, for his, his Oscar win. I'll stick to the cast in this one. And 
This is one, and I love this actress. I think the acting LVP by far is Brendan Fraser. He's the, to me, he's the only bad actor in the movie. The acting is pretty I, I don't strong. appreciate you talking about Encino Man. I know you like. This, I know you like. You like. Gotta wheeze the juice. Uh, Airheads. Airheads is great. Airheads. I, I love, love Airheads. Love but Airheads. let's just stick to the Airheads and the Encino Mans and. Yes. You know, right. who's, who's, your, who's, your other, who's your other LVP? I love her as an actress. I love her work. She's she's one of those actresses that has done the top shelf stuff and she's done the rack level stuff too. Mm -hmm. I think she's won an Oscar and a Razzie. Same year. Sandra Bullock in this movie, man. And I realize she's supposed to play an unlikable character. It just... I just go back to the fact that I think that if a no-name actress were playing that role, it would have been cut from the movie. Mm. It doesn't fit with anything else that goes on. Her story arc is her getting mad at the guy changing the locks after being carjacked, to not trusting her housekeeper, to falling down the stairs, spraining her ankle, and the only one there to save her from her sprained ankle was her housekeeper. Because her friend getting massaged. I, I think yeah. they, they wanted to include high society in this too. But, it but, but, it, come but on. After, after that one scene where she, because she didn't racially profile the two black guys, now she feels like she has to racially profile everybody. She kind of did though. She. Well, yeah, but she didn't like, she didn't say, she didn't, say she anything, didn't speak but, up enough. Right, but what to, are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> it's black run! 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 <laughs> her character is very base level. It's like 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 almost everything else. Her right. and if we want to go co MVPs, her and her DA husband can go kick rocks. As far as I'm concerned, they're the MVPs in this one. I mean, the the shopkeeper character. I think if you if I was gonna say if you had to pick a character in the movie, you're I don't want to put words. If I if I if I had to shoot a character into space, <laughs> like Adam well, that's what I'm doing with with B. Fraser yeah. and, yeah. uh, and, and <laughs> that's bull. If like alien style, like out of an arrow, sand bull, <laughs> sandy bull. Uh, if I had to push, if I had to push a character out of an airlock, it would be him. But it would, it would, into space. It would also be Matt Dillon because fuck that guy too. Well, uh, all right, well that's but that but he's a heel though. Like yeah, so you gotta. I, you know, I, I, I know. Uh, but yeah, no the, uh, the the shop owner is uh, a piece of garbage, and he really should have the police called on him for attempted murder. Right, and a and a and a shoddy written character where sure. the. Dillon's character is written written well. And yes, it's effective. That, it's I mean, effective. It's, and and Matt Matt Dillon is. Even as an asshole, he's he's just a charming person. He's just a charming actor, even when he's a, even when like, not like in the pullover scene, but like him like talking. We kind of like talking to the healthcare provider, and like there's this charm there. He's a layered character. Sure, he's a layered character. Yeah, I, I do want to take this time to say that I'm extremely proud of myself for not calling Matt Dillon Matt Damon at any point. <laughs> in this podcast up to this point because every time I went to write down the word Matt Dillon I wrote Matt Damon oh. Matt Damon Matt Damon okay so now when we're talking about the wonderful legacy of of Crash um, it's not good let's be honest here yeah Re there's relevancy and impact in the legacy the legacy is obviously tainted this movie's widely considered a movie that should not have won impact. I, I and I think it's relevant today. It's like well, kind of like surprisingly relevant. I mean, today. yes or no, this movie single-handedly stopped racism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's. I don't. I don't know. I don't think this movie. 
the problem the problem is that this movie is so over the top that it's not taken seriously. Yeah, you can't take it seriously. Like I think that there's conversation pieces based on what this movie was trying to do, and I think that unfortunately those conversations would be much more focused and much more poignant had this movie been made a little better. As we've said several times here, man, it's just there's an ineffectiveness to the delivery here, and you can't really. Sh- Throw this. I mean, it's on Netflix right now, which is kind of interesting to me. I wonder, like, what. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what those what those numbers are like. The Netflix get are people are people throwing this on and Netflix and and chilling. To the problem. The problem is, like, what like because I can watch bad movies. I can watch like bad. Is it? Do you consider this a bad movie? Well, I know I I said that it wasn't a bad like I so I said it wasn't a terrible movie. I will say it's a movie that that will hold your attention. It's definitely, an, it's definitely entertaining. Movie. It, it holds your attention. Um, it lacks substance. It lacks it lacks a real point of view. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think it's just like oh, racism, racism sucks. Yeah, all it's all theme, around us. All theme and no. It's it's all humanity. It's all, it, yeah, there's no. That's what you said. Before. Yeah, there's no. There's nothing in it that like. like not to get onto another Oscar controversial Oscar movie about race, but I just I, I watched Green Book the other day. Okay, and it's going to be another one we'll have our hands full with. Oh, I know. Um, oh, you don't you didn't like Green Book? It was fine. No, it, it was it was fine. It did it deserve an Oscar? I don't think so. But it was it was. I'm a, a big stars born guy, man. So I was a little sour about that. <laughs> I love that uh, movie. It, but no, but Green Book, but Green Book was 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 fine, and I liked it so much better than Crash. I like so because yeah because I I, I, I I will say that there's because I, I I'm a big fan of both Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali I think and they both, did phenomenal jobs and there's and there's and there's a lot of there's humanity into it and and a lot of and and it's overt racism you're talking about the South in the sixties it's overt racism mm-hmm. isn't racism terrible here let me hold up the mirror. Mm-hmm. To society, and I think that maybe they simplify racism a bit in that movie. Sure, and, well, there's a there's a whole podcast waiting for that. The controversy surrounding that movie is a little bit to do with the climate in the industry today. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of people with their sharpening their swords, ready to battle. So I, I will leave was, that. It was yeah, we'll sure. leave that there, and and you know, join it. But there, that, I mean, there's there's a good comparison to make if when discussing what does this movie look like in 2020. I think it's it, that's a good, good yeah. Bringing like, that up. If, if I if I like if I in terms of like watching a movie and enjoying a movie, if I had to choose Crash or Green Book, I would choose Green Book every time. Well, yeah, but I, one is a feel good movie and one is not meant to be a feel good movie. That's so. that's fair. And I think one of the criticisms of Green Book is that it's, it's too feel good. It's too feel good yeah. over an issue that should have been. And and this one is you know not what? a feel good movie. You know what? I like feel good movies. I like feel good movies. I like too, feel man. good movies. And I liked I liked Green Book. You know, I I enjoyed it. I'll probably edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) So, I wanted to ask this too. Okay. Is this movie... It's hard to answer this collectively because there's so many moving parts to this movie. Is this movie dated? Yeah. And Um, and where and how? I think um, the shopkeeper stuff is dated. I don't think... The, the immediate the post, post 9-11. The post 9-11, the post 9-11 culture is different than it is. Yep. Uh, it's different now than it was back then. But does it play in that time frame? So, for instance, like if we're 
if if a movie's made in the 60s depicting racism in the 60s mm. and then we watch it today it could play if it's done effectively does this one play today knowing cuz i mean the, the that was a real thing back then we both sure. we both were sure adults approaching 911 and we lived through through a lot of that mm-hmm. well it's i mean it's it's i hate we keep on harping back to the same thing but it's it's since this movie's not really done effectively, it's not. It yeah, it's hard really, to take it It's hard to take it seriously. Yeah. It's hard. It it doesn't it doesn't hold up. I I feel if Crash were made today, I I would hope it'll be a little bit more nuanced. I I gotta be honest. I think that it would be very difficult to make this movie today. Yeah. And we talked about this with Rain Man last week. That's another one that you make that in '88. In 2020, it might. It might be a much different project, and it might not get greenlit, and it might be a hard thing to do. This one, outside of the gun violence, and, and even with the gun violence, I just think it, the person even, making it is going to just take one side, and it's going to be this political tug of war that I don't want to be a part of personally. And I, I think that this movie, Crash, stays pretty politically neutral. Yeah. And I don't know that you'd get that in 2020. I think you'd get one or the other side. You know, trying to flex their muscles. I, it's, this it's, movie, this movie, we live a, in such a different climate today. So it's this hard. movie, this movie uses a very broad brush. A movie like that today, talking about race. Well, I mean, we're doing it right now. It's not respected. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's saying racism's bad, but everyone's racist, <laughs> and like it just, it's, it's kind of cowardice yeah. in a way. Where it's just like have like have a, a real opinion about something, yeah. Um, you know, make it make it work, and it's just it's not really. Well, he took home his trophy and he won a bunch of awards, and yeah, good for him. And fifteen years later, he's got two clowns sitting down talking about it because he won that trophy. So, yeah, good for him on that. Now, so this next question I ask every week, and it's kind of an awkward question because I'm asking you to stick <laughs> this movie into an algorithm that you. Don't have, I have very the little equation for yeah. right. So, but in in a in a world where I've seen all in, in a vacuum <laughs> in a vacuum yeah. where you've seen all ninety two sure. movies and ninety one with 91. the ninety second movie isn't determined yet. Right. Where would a movie like Crash land? And I think it's a little easier for you this week than it was for, say, RDB at answering the, the Departed because it's a movie he's a fan of and and he hasn't seen the other movies, so it's very hard. Let's see. One, being, One the best, being the best, right? Best picture of all time, and we're talking nineteen twenty seven to two thousand twenty, right? So, like, in, in terms in terms of me, like one is like so one, yeah, okay. So not I'm not asking you to to determine what one, two, three, oh, four, five. Or I'm saying where where would Crash be ultimately? Let me tell you my number one. Green Book, number two, <laughs> <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy, number three. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, number one is Airheads. Uh, Two is Encino Man. Two is Encino Man. And three is The Mummy Three is The Mummy Returns. (laughs) All right, no. I don't know. It's... It would be bottom third for sure. Mm -hmm. Bottom third for sure. I I don't know, like... The question, I mean, the question you have to ask yourself in in a world we haven't seen a lot of these movies is how many movies do I think are Out of the 90 are worse than this. Right. Uh, I, I would I would put it in like the I'll put it in like the seventy range, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess that's that's a nice safe a safe estimate. I, there. I think I figure there are probably twenty two movies or twenty one movies that are worse than this. Yeah, I like I said before, I kind of have like a little bit of a sentimental affinity. There's to this an emotional movie. tie to it. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I I do appreciate some of the things that were done in this movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it dances with the status of being a good movie. It probably should not have won Best Picture that year. I think it's a spirited effort. And I don't think it's one that would anyone would neutrally undertake today. So I do, I do kind of look at that and give it a little appreciation there. I'll say this. It's not 92, because I have an idea what 92 is. Okay. It's a movie made in the 30s, which is bizarrely racist and weird and... <laughs> and, 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 you know... For those of you eagerly anticipating the Cimarron episode, you know, we'll, we'll get to that one day. I, I, this is probably in that bottom 10 to 20 range. Okay. So your estimate is not far off. So you're, so you're in the 80s. It's gonna, it's gonna probably be somewhere, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I would say when it's all said and done. Full disclosure, I haven't specifically ranked them yet. The idea with this that podcast. Seems, that seems like a lot. Yeah, but I mean, hey, if we ever get to the end sure, of this, sure. this list with this podcast, I think that we'll have a medium in which to do so. Sure. Out of the ones we've discussed so far, uh, Departed was episode one, the next episode Cuckoo's was Nest. Cuckoo's Nest, the next episode was Rain Man, this here is Crash, yes. drum roll please, this is number four right now. <gasps> so if you're if you're scoring at home, you know, it's number four. Well, I, I might have teased that Cimarron's behind it. <laughs> But uh, there's just there's just a lot of good movies on this list, and there's sure. a lot of movies that are probably easier to defend. While I have an appreciation for this movie to some degree, I think that's just kind of at the end of the day, that's where it's going to end up. I mean, most lists that I've read or kind of looked at, it's usually in the bottom five, if yeah. not the bottom three, if not the bottom. Do Do you think it's because it's recent? And everyone's kind of seen it. Do you think it's kind of like a? Do you think like people that rank it about it just totally. like tr- yeah, just like totally yeah? Because I think a lot of the people that want to get on their high horse and and say that this movie is an absolutely unredeemable, yeah. unredeemable heap of crash, huh. fresh trash, <laughs> fresh trash. I'd like to sit in a room with them and watch some of these other movies that are just <laughs> just flat out difficult to watch yeah. at this point because they're just they're just made in a they're different way, boring, at a different time, yeah, and, yeah. and just this is an entertaining movie and. Again, the acting is pretty, it's pretty tight. They're it's good, pretty they're tight. Good, they're I mean, good actors. They're good actors. It's a good another ensemble cast. We you did. Know, it's um, not. It's not Ryan Phillippe's best movie. Ryan <laughs> Ryan Phillippe's best movie is MacGruber. Oh wow! I'm glad you brought up MacGruber. Believe it or not. Okay. Somebody, I have not seen MacGruber. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Somebody recently said to me that it's one of the most underrated comedies I, of the last decade. I would agree with that. It's so fucking funny. Really? It's so great. I just... I, and it, and that's a movie that did not do well in the box no. office. No. And really, is it's not brought up a lot. It's, I, it's, it's from a Saturday Night Live era that's not like a well-watched Not really. Era. But, like, that's, but actually, MacGruber's one of my favorite sketches. Of, yeah. <laughs> of so this is one I gotta go out and watch. It's... Just see it. It's so... It's so good. Okay. Will Arnett's hilarious. McGruber's queued up. McGruber's queued yes. up on the on the old comedy list. Okay. 
speaking of movies that are not queued up, I watched one of the other nominees this week to prepare for this just because, and, and as we reiterate, reiterate in every podcast, this is not a who should have won podcast. This is a who did win, and then at the end we do discuss who they're up against. And this is one of the more debated, one of the more controversial decisions to give Crash the statue. It was up against, as we said before, kind of like lower earning, lesser popular indie style movies. All right. Not that they're all indie style. We're going to go through them. I just want to kind of, at this point, I just kind of go through the list. You let me know if you've heard, you've seen the movie, if you've heard of uh, it. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I saw this list. And I'm going to read the, I'm going to read the synopsis just okay. for those playing at home if they want to go ahead and play along. But Crash wins the Oscar. I'll, I'll, I'll save the one that everyone kind of considers the one that should have won for last. Capote, Grant. Have you seen Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman wins the... Best actor, no. The right? best actor. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie based on... Truman Capote. Well, it's it's based on his writing of a book in Cold Blood. Right. So it's not it's not a, bi- a biopic of Truman Capote himself. It's about his process of writing the book in Cold Blood, which is a book that I read. It's a super chilling book about a, a real-life murder. Okay. He kind of interviews the interviews the suspects and kind of grows close to them and i highly recommend the movie he wins best actor for it oh, I'm, a big, I'm a big uh hoffman fan I, I there's very little that he's done i i haven't really loved <laughs> yeah he's fantastic I mean, just an unreal actor yeah he's and fantastic. this was just this was a cool one for me because this was a book my mom gave me that said all right you should check this out and read read and get into it then the movie came out so i was into it yeah, i yeah. watched the movie i was totally all about it so um, I was rooting for this to win that year. And in my opinion, this is the one that should have won. I'll read the synopsis here, just the, the two, the old two sentence sum it up. In 1959, Truman Capote learns of a murder of a Kansas family, decides to write a book about the case. While researching, while researching for his novel, In Cold Blood, Capote forms a relationship with one of the killers, Perry Smith, who is on death row. I highly recommend checking it out for anyone okay. out there that's interested. Munich. What do we know about Munich? Have you seen Munich? I have not I, seen Munich. I myself. saw Munich when it first came out. Oh, you've seen Munich? Yeah. And it's thumbs re- up, thumbs down. It's really good. It's a uh, you know, feel good movie of 2005. Not really. Yeah. Here's our synopsis based yeah. on a true story of the Black September aftermath about the five men chosen to eliminate the ones responsible for that fateful day. Munich or Crash? What was what what if it's if there's only two movies nominated that year? Oh, you... Munich. Okay, I mean, Munich. I mean, it's Spielberg. So it's, we're it's we're, we're all for two here for our for our crash heads. Good night and good luck, Grant. I have not. Seen I will that. give you good night and good luck if you've seen this movie. I have not either. I, have not. I had not heard of this movie until I, two days ago. No, I knew about it. Really, it's a George Clooney joint, right? It's yeah, a, it is a George Clooney. He's actually, uh, he's nominated for. It's a black and white one. Yeah, black yeah. and white. He's nominated for screenplay in this. So Clooney's been nominated for best picture, best lead actor, best supporting actor. Best director and best screenplay. Not all this year, but in it's it's pretty impressive. It's like not, I feel like there's not a lot of guys who have yeah. been nominated for all of those. Yeah, true. I mean, he's good yeah. night and good luck. Broadcast journalist Edward R. Morrow looks to bring down Senator Joseph McCarthy. Good old McCarthyism flick. <laughs> and then finally, we have Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, I'll, uh, I I have not seen it. 
I watched it this week. For those of you who haven't heard, the story of a forbidden and secretive relationship between two cowboys and their lives over the years. Um, I Okay, so I had been told recently from a few people that this is a movie to watch that it's mm -hmm. a, that it it's like oh don't don't go in with preconceived notions like watch it it's, it's really good it's a good movie it's okay. a good movie i enjoyed it it's it tells an effective story i think i have to feel like it's a little overrated though uh, to me i yeah. think <laughs> yeah, you're saying. I think it would be better if Kid Rock was in this movie and played one of the Cowboys. Um, it's 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 a complicated love story at the end of the day, and sure. it's Ang Lee. It's shot super well. The cinematography is like over the top awesome. Yeah, it's. It's a very nice movie. It's well acted. It's well put together. It's well scripted. Is it a movie that it's a travesty that it didn't win Best Picture? No. I mean, there's, pl there's plenty of years where this could have been up in a vacuum next to another movie that won Best Picture and it would have lost. Where, where, where do you rank it next to Crash? It's better than Crash. Okay. It should have won. It should have won over Crash. This year, to me, Capote should have been Best Picture. Now, like, say, say if you, and this might be painting you in a corner. Like, say if you had to rank... Like, say if you had to rank Capote. Say if Capote won instead of Crash. Mm -hmm. Where would you put that on your 91? Um, hmm. Good question. Like, 15? 10? No, 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 no. It's not that high. Okay. It's not that high. But it's uh, it's probably... It's middle of the pack, but probably top half. So on the high, far, so high 40, 40s. Yeah, low, low, low 40s. Low 40s. Yeah, probably low 40s. But it, it's going to be... It'll be down to the wire, you know? Okay. It's one that I, I'm, I'm do a rewatch. I think, like, looking at it objectively, I'd probably have to force myself to be a little tougher on it because it, it was one that I really personally, it was a personal favorite. Okay. Like, I really enjoyed it. Because it just kind of affected me with having read the book and, and, and you know. Sure. But, yeah, that's a good question. I would, now, if Brokeback Mountain was in that situation, lower 45. Not lower 30. Third, but okay. lower forty-five. Okay, I would say because so that's, to me it's that's, like that's considerable. That's considerably higher than one of the issues I have. Considerably higher than Crash. It's, yeah. it's better. It's a better movie than Crash. Yeah. One of the issues that I have with that movie, and I, the story it's trying to tell, I get, and and that's what makes it complex and a talking piece and interesting mm. is is the fact that both characters are suppressing their homosexuality in the worlds that they live in. But at the end of the day, it is a romance between two cheating people who whose lives are at home right. wondering where they are with their kids. Like if this was if this was a man and a woman, a story about a love story about a man and a woman, it'd be like, well why am I rooting for these these two? Like they're sure. just they're going up on the mountain and cheating on their spouses while their yeah. spouses are home taking care of the kids. Right, right, right. And the fact that they're in this, yes, but they also they dragged in these poor women to this situation too. And the communication in this movie is not very good either. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's a little better explained based on right. 
the nature of the situation that these okay. two guys are in. Whereas there's really no explanation whatsoever in Crash as to why nobody can communicate with each right. other. But to me, there's it's it was a brave movie. I think it would be a whole hell of a lot less brave if it came out in 2020 because we've seen this before. Sure. And I think it would be less revered if it came out in 2020. I think it would have been more... I think there would have yeah. been more analysis of the actual character interaction and the actual story. Yeah. Whereas well, this was the first of its kind back then, and I well, appreciate that. I appreciate that. It was, was, kind, of, it was kind of like the first, first through the wall, first yeah. of the door. And there's, and there's, and there's, that's a bold move, and that's yeah. like, and this is a conversation we're going to have in this podcast in the future with what you were able to do in the forties in cinema, and what you were able to do in the twenties in cinema, sure. and what you were able to do in the seventies in cinema. It's ever that matters if you're the first one to do something. If you're yeah. Wizard of Oz implementing color into the story the way they do, yeah, you know that's really that's something that needs to be looked back as impressive and and, and relevant. Sure. Well, Grant, I had a great time, man. Thank you for doing this with me. It uh, was it was a super interesting discussion it's very challenging <laughs> it was a challenging I feel, discussion i really hope i didn't uh shoot myself in the foot <laughs> here i really hope, i really hope that we 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 represented our feelings well and we didn't uh, i think we were put anyone off i think we were put in a very difficult situation we, by ourselves by ourselves by to, ourselves to be fair we 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 chained ourselves to this fence like we a gave bunch you a bunch of fucking idiots we gave you the best we could I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry if I offended you in any way. Anyone who is offended in this podcast, we apologize, but we also leave ourselves open for you to email us all of your thoughts, good or bad. Let us have it. Best picture podcast at yahoo.com. I'm sure that one of us simplified or belittled some sort of listener along the way and we we do leave it open until we're, we're not closing off the doors for you to yell at us so uh and you know what if you're out there and you've agreed with us you can email us too about that sure grant until next time and there will be next time i had a blast and uh thank you very much for having i'm me. looking forward to crashing into you next time man crash sure. we can do this man